For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. You know the way it is uh, with any weekend, but particularly bank holiday week, holiday weekends, we're always in horror that there will be deaths on our roads. And unfortunately, uh, that is the case for the Easter bank holiday weekend. So all of the red tops carry it on the front pages today. Three teens die in bank holiday horror. And these are two different uh, fatality incidents. One is an underage GAA player up in County Leash, who lost his life in a quad bike smash on Easter Sunday. And the other one, the tragedy of pals Lucas Joyce and Kirsty Bowen, just like David Brown, also lost their lives. So the two that I'm talking about with regards to Lucas and Kirsty uh, died in a car which they were travelling in. It hit a tree in Hedford in County Galway yesterday. Now, uh, the two young teens died after the car uh, hit the tree in Hedford. The car is suspected to have been driven by a 13-year-old and it collided with that tree just before 6am on bank holiday Monday morning. It's just absolutely horrific. Matters are made even worse by the fact that a girl passenger is in a serious condition in a hospital. So it's awfully sad. All of the papers this morning talk of that horror smash and also the death of David Brown in the quad accident in the woodlands up in uh, County Leash. So that dominates many of the papers today. They call it Easter Carnage. Uh, In other news this morning, um, we see that there are two different uh, teachers' conferences on at the moment. uh, And the education minister will be told today that teachers are demanding another pay rise. Not my words, but it's truthful and accurate. It's the front page of the Mail this morning. They're looking for, in total, €280 million in pay rises. Now, that amount of money that teachers wish to be paid extra would actually fund 7,000 new teaching positions at the rate of €40,000 a year. That money, the 280 that's looked for in pay rises, would, worth repeating, fund 7,000 new teaching positions at the rate of a starting salary of €40,000 a year. Um, They want earnings to match the highest level of inflation or at least the double the current rate of inflation. So this isn't anything significant that's only happening in Ireland. This is also happening in the the UK at the moment. In fact, they've got junior doctors uh, out on strike in the UK today looking for similar things. They're looking for a 35% uh, wage increase. Uh, when you look at how your thoughts actually on teachers looking for uh, salary increases are welcome as always. Text 0868104106. But there's a lot of health related stories like the fact that 14,500 patients left the A&D within the two months of this year without being seen. It is an absolutely shameful figure, isn't it? It's the front page of the examiner this morning. Nearly 15,000 people left the emergency departments without being treated for the first two months. It's not as if their illness or their accident miraculously disappeared inside the A&E, you know. They just couldn't hack it any longer. They're waiting around to be seen. And of course, uh, there's no, there's never a shortage of money when it comes to uh, anything involving health in this country. It's just how it's spent. I've seen an interesting one this morning that private nursing homes are still receiving, uh, still received 220 million euro in COVID support. Um, Private nursing homes are still getting millions in COVID subsidies on top of all of the money they get from the nursing home support scheme. You know, the, 
the fair deal scheme. That's worth about a billion a year. But on top of that, they're still being paid COVID extra, extra COVID subsidies. I don't know if there's any business in the country besides nursing homes that are still getting COVID subsidy payments, but it's coming in at nearly 220 million a year. And of course, we're going to have all sorts of drama now with regards to uh, Ukrainian refugees because uh, hotels are beginning to take back their bedrooms. And I can confirm that at least 1,300 hotel beds in Ireland now will revert back to tourism for the summer season. So they're going to be scrambling now to try and find beds and uh, work out where, um, you know, uh, Ukrainian refugees could be sent. And I saw an interesting story uh, making, I'm not sure which one of the papers it was. It could well be the the examiner where they were saying, oh yeah, it is the examiner. They're saying that one of the things that they're going to do now, the government, is they're going to ramp up the use of retrofitted office buildings uh, to shelter Ukrainians and asylum seekers. There's 79,783 Ukrainian refugees in the country now, so just shy of 80,000. And that's why they're saying by the end of 2023, if nothing changes, um, and I don't see anything, do you, in the short term, changing with regards to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that figure could go by the end of 2023, to in and around 120,000 Ukrainian refugees. So the state so far has paid out 676 million euro. That's like uh, two-thirds of a billion to hotels, bed and breakfasts and private providers just to accommodate Ukrainians fleeing war. So it's an astonishing amount of money and it just keeps going one way up, 673 million. Uh, And meanwhile, the HSE has no problem spending money either on security, primarily for buildings that are empty. Um, They spent 900,000 euro on security for an empty mental health facility in Cork. In fact, the value of the facility was substantially less than the amount of security they actually spent on minding it. I know that's hard to grasp, but they spent 900000 providing private security for a Cork building, which is valued at just 630000 Hard to believe, isn't it? They paid more in security than the building was worth. Um, and, and it's just one part of a lengthy shocking story where they talk of Millfield House in Blackpool Formerly a 24-hour mental health facility, um, private security details since 2019, the cost of €900,000. And it's been vacant, obviously, that's why they got extra security on it. And it's been vacant since 2020 because all the residents there moved to uh, a rented facility at Garnish House in Cork City. Um, And they are renting Garnish House now at £43,000 a month. Uh, since April 2020. So they're renting Garnish House at 43000 a month while they're spending 900000 providing... I know it, it's hard for even me to get my head around it and I've read it a few times earlier this morning. So forty three grand a month for Garnish House while they spend 900000 on security for the empty mental health facility at Middlefield House. In fact, last September, $1.7 was spent on rent and cleaning costs uh, for Garnish House. Um, like the country's awash with money it's how it's spent is the problem isn't it and don't even talk to me about how much will be spent on looking after uh, Joe Biden because he flies into Northern Ireland tonight and then comes south of the border now the weather isn't being very kind to Joe Biden certainly not with regards to his chopper because he was hoping I know they have Air Force One is the plane I've no idea what's the chopper's called is it like Air Force Two or whatever but it's a big 
big baiter of a chopper but he had wanted to um, you know chopper around Ireland but the winds mightn't allow it but there's a boozer up in Louth that is promising to have uh, pints of Guinness Zero waiting for uh, President Joe Biden when he arrives in the wee county tomorrow so it's bars and stripes is one story making the sun today strong winds could ground his chopper flight gale force one they're calling it <laughs> the star today and I love this story because I once saw <coughs> I once saw a photograph of Donald Trump attempting to eat a plate of chicken wings with a knife and fork <laughs> I mean who does that who eats chicken wings with a knife and fork be like trying to chase peas around a plate you know it's just impossible to do it. Anyway, the only reason I mentioned that is apparently the last time that Joe was here with the family was in 2016. And they didn't go for tripe and trashine. They didn't go for Irish stew. They didn't go for coddle or bangers and mash or any of the beautiful other Irish dishes. That Well, maybe not so much bangers and mash as a synonymous Irish dish. But the point I'm making is he went for hamburgers last time. I don't know what it is. It seems to be the default American food is a cheeseburger or pizza, but anyway, they're wondering what will he order this time? Will it will it be just last time the all American favourite? Um, you could do better than a cheeseburger or a hamburger, but anyway, we'll have to see what he decides to do. Papers also today. This is kind of interesting and almost half funny in a way. The Road Safety Authority and the different complaints they've been having in just a month, right? In just a month, month. Here are some of the disgruntled driving test applicants. It's a story that makes the echo today. Obviously, people who were annoyed because they were told that their cars weren't safe. I mean, like, you gotta have a safe car if you're doing your driving test. I get that one, but other ones were uh, somebody who complained that they couldn't. Couldn't hear the instructions from the uh, the tester because the uh, window was down. I failed because your window was down. Otherwise, then um, somebody claimed to have been um, either that either the tester was partial or very racist, where the treatment of the tester prejudged the person being tested because of their ethnicity. They're just a few of the ones that are making the papers today in quite some detail. There are others actually. I mean, there's a man who got the puncture on the way to the test centre, and you know. And apparently didn't actually realise it until the middle of the test and had to pull in and change the tyre and stuff like that. I'll come back to some more of them throughout the course of the morning. A lot of sporting related stories making the papers, not just today, but over the past four or five days. There's a video now has emerged of a shocking moment when a Wexford hurler by the name of Lee Chin uh, was racially abused by a spectator at a uh, charity match. Um, because he is Chinese or of Chinese extraction. You can't be doing that. And then there's the other one of Gardy up in Dundalk are investigating a referee who is allegedly kung fu kicked in a junior soccer match. I've actually seen the video footage of the kung fu kicking of the referee. So that's a couple for you with regards to on the pitch. And something that we've been dealing with uh, recently um, and that is the amount of people who are going overseas to particularly Turkey uh, for tummy tucks and bariatric surgery and sleeves and bypasses and bum lifts. I think the bum lift is called a Brazilian bum lift. Other people call it a Brazilian butt lift. But sadly, we have another death. And I imagine that with a name like Carol Keegan, I would say, Keenan, I should say, I would think that maybe originally her parents or maybe or generations before her were Irish. But Carl Keenan, at the age of 54, visited a clinic in Istanbul and never, ever managed to walk out. Um, she died. Uh, she had a tummy tuck. She had a Brazilian bum lift. She was also offered a third operation called a muscle repair. Um, and she passed away. And her family are making all of the newspapers, at least they were, the back end of last week, 
warning people, warning people um, and asking people to be aware of the dangers. You know, one of the big issues is flying after this kind of surgery, getting on an airplane and flying. Um, but there are other stories then as well with regards to different parts of, of the world. And I don't know where t- whether or not tongue sucking is a tradition in Tibet. I, I just don't know. But the Dalai Lama's people have had to come out now and apologize because of the video uh, that's appeared on social media in which uh, he kissed a young boy on the lips before asking the young boy to suck his tongue. Listen, I feel as uncomfortable reading the story out as you guys do listening to it, but it does seem to me to be very... Uh, you'd be kind of alarmed at a, a story like that. And, and, I, and I asked the guy, is, the, is that a tradition in Tibet? Um, he has since come out and said that he regrets the incident or any upset when we calls to the family, but you can understand why he said to come out and apologize, or at least his, his they don't actually reference uh, the incidents themselves involved, but just the fact that it seems to have, uh, you know, taken on uh, a new uh, Lisa Life Online with people very, very, I suppose the word would be disturbed by it, I guess. And then there's a, a lovely story that makes the papers today coming out of um, Cove, and it has to do with camper vans hogging the camper van spots. Uh, down below. Apparently um, people are staying too long on the five foot way. You're only allowed to stay 48 hours in your camper van. You know the way it is unfortunately with camper vans. The camper van drivers are always getting in trouble because they they always seem to be hogging something or at least that's the allegation. It's the best parking at the front of the beach and they just stay there on their holidays. Nobody else can park there. It's the side of the road blocking the access to the beach and apparently now it's staying too long on the five foot way there's a 48 hour stay, stay but it's an Irish examiner story but here's the detail the devil's in the detail yeah you can only stay from 48 hours but there's nothing stopping you after 48 hours driving away and coming back again within a matter of seconds and backing up for another 48 hours so unhappy campers I suppose because apparently there's not enough room for everybody but the Irish Examiner has that story today I think it's a lovely story because at least we're talking about summer related things and that can't be too hap, too bad says you anyway text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 hope you had a good long weekend winner of two goals at the Imro Radio Awards 2022 the Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Calls in a few minutes' time, just in case I forget. A lovely walk down on Myrtleville Beach yesterday, in between the showers yesterday morning. Um, sad to see that Bunnies is still closed, isn't it? I wish Bunnies well, and I hope that at some stage they'll open up again so that people go and enjoy the views and the food and the couple of bevs in Bunnies. But the beach was very busy yesterday. It was a big swim on. Forgive me now, I don't know what it was about, but I imagine it must have been for charity because there were hundreds of people doing their thing. And that was great to see. I mean, I imagine uh, a lot of people probably felt the cold, but they came out to these things. What are they called? What are those robes? Dry robes, is it? They look the job, don't they? I'd love to come to work in a dry robe. I'd see it be warm and cosy all day long. Um, might be just a, a slight step up from coming to work in pyjamas. But there was some lovely sights on the beach in Myrtleville yesterday, including uh, people cooking sausages on frying pans. I don't know whether they were cooking them for their pals or whether they were selling them, but there was coffee stalls there and there was coffee trucks there and there was people cooking sausages. They ain't nothing as nice as the smell of a sausage in the morning. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. As I saw online then, uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn responding to the fact that the government, when you break the numbers down, is now spending 30 million euro per week housing Ukrainian refugees. And this is not deemed to be a criticism of people who are here from Ukraine. But it's a staggering amount of money, nonetheless. 30 million euro per week to house Ukrainian refugees. Where do they find the money? Uh, Over 202 million so far. And we're only into the month of April 2023. And that's just this year alone. Ken O'Flynn says, pity they don't spend this on our own homeless. Pity they don't spend this on our own homeless. Can you imagine if they had funds available like that? at a time when there wasn't a war in Ukraine, couldn't they then set up a a national bank where they could offer cheap interest rates to people who wanted to um, uh, buy their own home um, and make the payments back like in the old days at reduced amount and low interest? You know, I don't know why... You, you would think that, you know, Seamus... Or sorry, that Michael McGrath, he's a smart guy, isn't he? He's got got an accountancy background and he's number-crunched all his life. You think that they might come up with an idea like that to help people? Anyway, text 86 I'm also aware of an incident that happened at Mick Barry's constituency office on Friday. Uh, there's some video footage online of uh, some individuals who were there wishing to speak with him, answer questions. Um, he wasn't in the mood for talking. Uh, they were filming, and that's got to be disconcerting when people have phones stuck in their face. I understand that aspect of it. Uh, but some of those who were there to meet with them have now gone and made a uh, complaint um, at the Garda station that looked in the video to me to be the Bridewell. So I have to see what happens in that regard. That was also filmed, incidentally, and, and, and put up online. Um, and we got on to McBarry asking, uh, you know, what were his thoughts on whatever it was that happened on Friday? And he said, what happened at my constituency office on Friday was the latest in a series of attempts to harass people, to harass myself and other members of the Socialist Party by people who sympathise with the far right. Uh, workers in libraries, vaccination centres and pharmacies in the city have also experienced harassment and intimidation at the hands of the far right in recent weeks. I take this very seriously and I will be consulting with colleagues this week on how best to respond. Defamatory and completely untrue comments about me have been aired on social media over the weekend. Uh, I choose to deal with these through my solicitor rather than giving any credence by debating them over the airwaves. Uh, So that's where he's at now. Um, He will uh, consult with his solicitor and consult with colleagues this week as how best to respond. Uh, And he declined an invitation to come on air, which is his right. Now, uh, on Friday, and your texts on that are welcome, uh, as well as all other business, text 0868104106. You remember my conversation with Billy Corcoran? A wonderful man, carer for his uh, his daughter. Uh, a huge response to that and the way that he was treated when he went looking for a small amount of money to repair his uh, tumble dryer because it's going 24-7 because of the fact that his daughter uh, suffers with incontinence because of some of the conditions that she lives with, including cerebral palsy. Now, uh, wonderfully then, on Friday, um, we were contacted uh, by an electrical company down West Corkway offered to replace uh, Christy Thornhill got in touch from Skibbereen offering to replace the tumble dryer so that's happening uh, I see in the papers this morning that other people have also said that they wanted to help in any way shape or form and were offering to donate some money to Billy so that that's that's lovely uh, but it did touch a nerve with other people who were themselves carers and indeed they're tough jobs uh, caring for a loved one or a relative 
in the home because you have to dedicate your entire life to that loved one. And of course, on top of everything else, um, your loved one is at home as opposed to in the care of the state or in hospital. Uh, so you would think that they would be happy to help, you know, uh, when you hear stories like Billy Corcoran looking for a few bob to repair the tumble dryer. Um, but they don't. They just make life too difficult, in spite of the fact that families save the state billions a year by looking after their own. So, huge response by text and email, and I'll get to a lot of those throughout the course of the morning. But I want to chat with Mary, because uh, she herself is a carer and a hero into the bargain. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And it's for your son, Thomas, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it he's touched 20, a nerve. You know? he, yeah, he's 20 years old. I'll come to that in a, in a second. But Billy's story touched a nerve because, of course, Billy's daughter also, uh, Amanda, has cerebral palsy. What, what did you make of the chat on, on Friday morning? Angry? Sad? Annoyed? Uh, all of the above. You kind of get very frustrated. I'm used to that. You know, it's a case of every single aspect of their lives is arguing and fighting. And But something like that shouldn't be an argument, you know. The man is going through enough without having to go down, fill in a hundred forms, you know. And they know his daughter's medical history, you know. Mm. He shouldn't have to be. He's mm. worked all his life, for God's sake. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. it's infuriating. Mm. You really are isolated as a carer. And it's one of the most toughest jobs you'll ever do in your life. You live by the clock. There's no downtime. There's no, there's, you're not a person anymore. You're just, a, you're, you are a carer. And they become an extension of you. And you say the you know, 24-7 fight is on their behalf for the help that they need. Everything. Yeah. Neil, when my son was small, right, he went to preschool. He went to uh, mainstream preschool for two years. Then they wanted him to go for a third year. And, like, rather than have a school place for him, you know. Yeah. And that was the first argument, besides all the therapies now and stuff, that then his communion... I had to fight for him to make his communion in a special needs school. They wanted him to wait till he was about 12. All basic things now, but you'd spend your whole time arguing. And then you've all the services and you've all the medical stuff in between and trying to get wheelchairs, walkers. It's, it's constant, constantly arguing. Yeah, you're a mother of four, I believe. Yeah, three so, girls. So you have the three girls as well, as well as, yeah. your, as your lad. He's 20 now. So he's a grown man now. He is. He's bigger yeah. than me now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you would... The, the washing machine and tumble dryer, that would be going solid, I suppose. Oh, all the time. All the time. He's got a, um, an intolerance to gluten as well. So if he has the littlest bit of gluten, and it might come... I, I'm very careful with it, but it can easily happen. He might have it at college or somewhere. He will never refuse because he loves his food, you know. So yeah, and well, the lads were saying that him. one of the neurological disorders... Um, is is incontinence, and that's why yeah. Billy was looking for the supplementary payment because the tumble dryer was just worn out, and the washing machine will be next, of course. And he's oh, seventy nine like, years old; and he's only on half carers. Yeah, and the um, the bedding is a big issue already. Right. That's probably the most frequently washed. You know, I'd be lucky to get two days. He could have a pile of three or four pajamas in the morning when I go in they'll all be heaped on the floor you know he'll change during the night himself as well mm. he's I have to if I hear him up then I have to get up as well because he's always at risk of falling he's got a progressive brain disease as well makes him very unstable and he's got um, vertigo as well so he needs to be watched all the time like I never fully sleep I don't um, close my bedroom door I can't you know it's just it's it's all it's, you never ever get time off ever yeah. you never get a full night's sleep you need a proper night's sleep you don't get that at all 
No, and even when people say, oh, there's a bank holiday, weekend coming up now, you know, and they're looking forward to the rest and that, but there is no downtime for carers. I, people are so lucky if they don't understand it, but carers will know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no downtime. And I will come back to some texts and emails in a few minutes' time. You're so committed, right, that in 2016, um, and I'm reading your words here, we were crashed into by a drunk driver. What can you tell me about that? Uh, I spoke to you at the time in 2017 about that. We were the family going to Waterford to a Christmas fair, and we were just taking the kids to Santa. And a drunk driver, well, it was a, they were up all night partying and they were on every cocktail of drinking drugs. That's right, I remember it. And they crashed head first and head straight into us and um, we were left with everything broken from necks. Who was in the car? Skull, um, in my own car, it was myself, my partner and the four kids. All the kids were in the car and they were aged from 15 down to 7. It's a wonder you weren't all wiped out. We almost were, we almost were like we had, like we, myself and my partner both broke our necks, uh, broke our backs in several places, both both legs, um, all our ribs, I broke one hand. Um, I went down to have my leg amputated, Neil, when I was in hospital. I was in for two months and I signed myself out after the end of the two months because obviously I was thinking of Thomas at home and he was so upset and my girls as well. Do, so, can I just ask um, you, do you know what the, the, with regards to that crash, imagine that Everybody had a seatbelt on, including in the, the kids in the back seat. Everybody, yeah, and that's actually what saved us. Isn't it? It did a lot of damage, but it did save us. And so it's a reminder, because kids will always be hassling, big to small ones, not wanting to put on seatbelts, I'd be grand, jumping around in the back seat. Here's an example of how important they are, right? Without them, we were dead. I mean, the other three in the other car had no seatbelts on, and they all died. Yeah. So I'll just show you, you know. So you came but, um, home with casts on both legs and a hand in a neck brace, um, walking with yeah. the aid of a Zimmer frame because you hop. had to mind, well, you could hop because you had to mind yeah. your son. I did. And I was so, they said it to me when I got out, you know, that I'm at risk if I fall, you know, with the, I, several breaks to my back and it was so dangerous, but I had no choice. I had to come out. And when I did come home, then I did apply to, to Cope Foundation for a care package and I only applied for five hours a week because I never looked for anything before from them and it's embarrassing you know when you have to admit that you need help mm. and my partner was still in the hospital he was in hospital for six months so I basically was let out to the kids by myself and um, I just was terrified of what could happen but Cope um, were sending me back to my health nurse and my health nurse was sending me back to Cope and then eventually they did agree that I could have the five hours, but I had to search for somebody myself, somebody who was guard vetted, and all that, and I hadn't got the energy physically or mentally to do any of that. So they wouldn't even do that for you. You had to do that yourself. No, no everything was done myself. So they would have known. They would have known. The state would have known that you were going home, as I said, both legs and hand in a cast, a neck brace because you broke your neck, walking with the aid yeah. of a Zimmer frame to mind four children, one of whom Thomas has cerebral palsy. And complex needs at that, you know. He, everything, I do everything for him. Every what? single thing. He has to be dressed, everything. Yeah. And did you manage to find that person for the five hours? I didn't. I didn't. Because week. nobody would come out for the five hours, Neil. It wasn't worth their while, you know, to travel. A lot of them would come down from Cork now to Mallow as well. And they just wouldn't. For five hours a week, it's not worth their time, you know. So how did you care for the kids? 
particularly Thomas. Well, with the help of my 70-year-old dad, and God love him, he was exhausted. He came down and moved in with me for a couple of months, and it was actually a full year, Neil, before I could put a shoe on. My leg was so badly damaged that I just couldn't wear a shoe, and I had that was casted and booted. So um, I did it, and slowly but surely, every day I could stand for a little bit longer, and each day I kind of got stronger and stronger, but it took a full two years before I could actually independently go in and dress Thomas. I'd sit next to him on the bed, then I could no longer bend. That's a scandal. Do all of those That's things. just a scandal that you were left to your own devices like that. We could have died there and it wouldn't have mattered because they didn't care. Sure, like, you know, we were, we were lucky to survive, but it was, if you could go through hell on earth, Neil, I feel I went through it. How in the name of God, then, can they spend such vast amount of money, which I was outlining this morning on the air, um, on security for vacant buildings? And, and I was listening to that, and I was, I was thinking to myself, all I looked for was five hours there of somebody to come down, and they're probably on minimum wage, I don't even know. You know, and they couldn't even get that. I couldn't get it. It's sickening, isn't it? And also, just recently, Thomas was sized up for a new walker. He used the walker. He can't walk without one. And he used the wheelchair then for distances. But um, he was sized up for a new walker. And we were five months into the wait. And they told me, no, this would be quick. <laughs> he was priority. But we were five months into the wait. And his walker actually just broke. It physically came apart in my hands when I was taking it out of the car one day. And he was then another three weeks before without the walker at all with him having to link on to me and I'm not that stable myself I'm you know I'm at risk still because then breaks will never fully recover you know I suffer still with pain that's abuse and he's bigger than me of course he is he's 20 years old now he's a grown man yeah Yeah, his own complex requirements and he, he probably gets he probably gets frustrated on top of everything else he does. He, he, you know, he's very easy going now, Neil. Like, no behaviour issues, thank God, with Good. him. Yeah. But he does, and he feels it. And, like, I've been sick a couple of times myself there now, and if I'm sick and I'm in, he's in. You know, and I have the guilt then of being sick and thrown down, and he's left there. There's no backup for terrorists. So when he know? turned 18, going from Mallow to Cope in Montanati, they yeah. withdrew the transport that was provided. Yeah, their answer is, yeah, their answer is he has a bus pass now, you know, a public bus pass. Sure, he couldn't get on the bus at all in any given situation. He has um, a moderate learning difficulty as well. Another example of how they don't engage in a policy of how can we help you? It's the opposite. Exactly. It's the yeah. opposite. And it's awful because, you know, you're left, I'm left now on the road all day and I don't want to be, I don't even have the time to be honest, but I need to do it. I live in my car. <laughs> That's what I do, you know. I'm going from one thing to the next. Mm. And then some days I'm not home there until half four or five. But I, like, bear in mind, I'm not at work, but I feel like I am at work. But I'm just on page, you know, that kind of way. I know I'm on mean. the road yeah. all day long. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely piece that you wrote in your email. You said, I want Billy to know that he's not on his own. I've often worried about how I will manage getting older and my son as well. Uh, what would happen to him if something happens to me? It's a horrible place to be in your own mind. You really do worry about that as you get older, do you? Oh, and especially since the accident, Neil, is something about a um, major life-changing thing that will put that in your head. Like, well, I would have always had it in the back of my mind, but I, I said that'll be years down the line, you know, there's no point in worrying now. But now that I am 
actually injured and vulnerable, I, I worry more. I lay awake at night and I'm, I'm thinking, what happens now, you know, if I, if I ever have to go into a home now when I'm older and he's at home? I, like recently, Neil, I was sick and I ended up in A&E and I was there 16 hours. And eventually I told him, look, I've got an adult son at home. I know everybody has their own story, but I can't sit here any longer. Like, I, I literally, you, there's no worrying about yourself. You need to think about what's happening at home. Oh, sure, you're, you're, com- yeah, you're completely, you, you put your needs on the back foot. They don't exist, not in the scenario you live yeah. with. No. No, you know, somebody asked me recently, what hobbies do I have? And I couldn't think of one single hobby. <laughs> I just couldn't. You don't, I don't have know time anymore. for that. You don't have time for that. No, yeah. no, I don't even read anymore. I used to be a great reader and everything. I don't, I don't have the time. You're one of the 14,500 patients who left the A&D unseen in the first two months of 2023, as an example, because they just could not stay any longer. Um, you also, of course, wouldn't have had uh, a break, nor a weekend, nor a holiday, I'd say. I do, my, my dad is so good to me, Neil, and he's 70, like I said. Now, he does give me the break if I need a break, and I badly do need them sometimes. But we're not robots, like, you know, we're not machines. We do... I do have my down days as well. And you can never have that because Thomas is always there with a smile on his face looking at me. And I'm like, if he can smile all the time through all his pain and all his medical stuff, well, then I should get on with it as well, you know. But you do have those days you need the break. Mm. Everybody does. Mm. So my dad, God bless him, like I'd be lost without him. He always, you know, tells me, go on away there now, have coffee, I'll be there with him. He's great. Thank God for him. Mm. Or I don't know what I do again, but yeah. it has to be family. It has to be somebody in the family. You yeah. can't just get a babysitter. And while you're, yeah, and while you're dealing with the now, you're also worrying about the future, and that's got to lead to an awful lot of stress, anxiety, uh, and fear. Well, you know, most. Well, when I was in hospital, the consultants and stuff they were telling me in years to come I will have bad. I know now everybody's at risk of arthritis, but because of the breaks, I'll probably be suffering. I'm suffering as it is. I mean, I've had surgery recently on my foot again. Like, that's three surgeries. Now, they did keep my foot in the end. They were amputating. Yeah. But I did keep it, but I have a lifetime of pain and my back and everywhere else, you know. Did you... Why was that, incidentally? Um, the Fair play to that them. Was, they managed to it. But were you... Did, did you... Did you voice that, that you wanted to keep your leg, if at all possible, because of what you had to do? Yeah. My biggest worry wasn't that I was 35 years of age and they were taking my leg. My biggest worry was how will I push the wheelchair? I was thinking of that the whole time. I was like, because it's a very physical job, you know? I mean, I, thought, I, I was just thinking, oh my God, how will I do that? Like, So I asked them, obviously, could they do their best? And I knew they would. But they opened it the first time and they said it was worse. And they thought I completely crushed my ankle bone. And they don't normally open that injury. They just amputate. But in fairness, um, they brought in somebody from Dublin and three of them worked on it. And they worked on it under savage conditions. I had a broken neck and broken back and they couldn't turn me over for the surgery and they needed to. So it was done under unbelievable circumstances, but they, they're, they're gifted. They managed but how to come, it. and I don't mean to pry, considering what you went through in 2016, how come you weren't awarded um, a colossal amount of money um, because for, of that? You mean with the insurance? It, well, whomever, yeah. yeah so insu- those guys weren't insured, so we did go through the Motor um, Bureau of Ireland, is that it's called? That's it, yeah. But yeah. it was a lot less than what should have been if they were insured, you know, and it, 
definitely no amount of money is worth no, your No, but you, you would... And, it, it, that is tragedy upon tragedy that they weren't insured, the drunk driver, mm-hmm. because if they had been insured, you, you would have been in a much better position now caring for your family. Well, he was insured, but um, he wasn't driving. So he let somebody else drive the car, so the insurance was void then, you know. Good God. A technicality. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. You need a break. Yeah. Is there anything you need at all? No, Neil, honestly. Do you know what I rang in for? I wanted to do something nice for Billy. <laughs> I want to either... I, like, I was thinking to myself, I know I heard he got the dryer, but I was saying, does he need the washing machine? Or does he... I'd love to send him on a pamper day. I don't know what men do know, I suppose. Hot toes, shave or what have you. I'd yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, you know what I did at the weekend? I was down in... Um, I was down in Eccles in Glengariff... <laughs> Was yeah. not it was not my idea. Incidentally, it was my wife's. We had um, a seaweed bath. Did you ever have one? Oh, lovely! What? Lovely! Lovely! Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, I'm all in that. I, I love my spa days as well. Eighty euro, eighty euro for a seaweed bath. She would get it for okay. free if you just sat in the tide. Uh, but I bet you felt grand and fresh coming out of that. No, I didn't feel any different. <laughs> I don't know, it's probably in the mind, I suppose. Maybe so, maybe so. Maybe it's just not for me, I don't know. Uh, but perhaps perhaps a hot towel shave would be a better option for me. Yeah, but you know, I was thinking, I bet you Billy does absolutely nothing for himself. I, I Like, the man has worked all his life, he's now in the hardest job he'll ever face know, in his life. I know, And he's doing it out of pure love because that's what we do. You know. So it didn't come, just finally, it didn't come as any surprise to you that if he was looking for 50, 100, 150 or whatever to repair a tumble dryer, that they'd be looking for a doctor's letter, three months of pay slips, three months of bank statements. Blind. They're an absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah, I think they know. do it on purpose so that you go away, you know, because you don't have the energy half the time. I mean, I can imagine that man's daily routine. Totally. You know, yeah. Is it, and there is no, there's like that. Now he can't just go out and have a cup of tea for himself. There's always something needs doing when you have an adult like that that you're looking after. Very kind of it you to say kind words and to look out for the case of Billy when you've got your own um, issues to deal with on an ongoing basis. But um, fair play to you, Mary. It's lovely chatting with you. Uh, do stay in touch. Thank you so much for taking Neil, the, the call. Guys, the guys have my number there, so honest to God, I'd love to send Billy off to do something nice for himself. All right, girl, we'll I pass really it on. Would. You're very kind. Thank you so much. We'll make it happen. Thanks, Mary. Thanks a million, Take Mary. care. Take care. Back after the break, Bye. text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. A little late with this one, but a lovely text in on Friday. You've mentioned my mum, Grace McAuliffe from Glenthorne, Dublin Hill. A happy birthday over COVID for the last uh, couple of years. And I have to say, it made her year every time you did it. She's a loyal fan. Uh, we're in Killarney for a few days to celebrate her birthday. Myself and mum uh, are listening to you and cannot miss the day. Um, as in program. Thank you for that. So if you could just uh, I know I'm a little late doing this Grace but happy birthday to you from all six children grandchildren and great grandchildren. Be so grateful to be able to celebrate this milestone birthday with her. That's from Aoife who got got in touch with me. Sorry I didn't see it on Friday but better late than never. I hope you had a good time in Killarney and happy birthday to Grace McAuliffe from Glenthorne. I'll get to text just after 10. I'm just conscious of uh, quite an amount of people who uh, want to get heard this morning as usual. Antoinette, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And, of course, the story um, started with uh, Billy Corcoran on Friday and the embarrassment and humiliation he was put through looking for a few bob to repair a tumble dryer. 
Um, what did you make of that? That's, it's just getting beyond the joke when it comes to carers now at this stage. Mm. We're left to do everything for our children. Okay. You're talking on your own behalf. On, behalf on of my own behalf. One. I have a child with cerebral palsy as well. Okay. Um, um, go ahead. We stood, we stood out and we protested. You, you know yourself, we're, we're for Ireland. This is Families um, Unite for get, Services and Support, yeah. Yeah, yeah to get services for our children. Now, the 4th March, my own daughter, Katie, spoke about her circumstances. And there was politicians there. And every one of them was like, oh, that's disgraceful. That shouldn't happen. You know, the usual. Yeah, they say that a lot, don't they? They nod their head and they look fake. Not one of those politicians have answered as much as an email from me. They said, email me, I'll get you the help you need. I'll get you the help Katie needs. I haven't heard anything from the men. What does she need? I like that. I mean, what does she need, typically? Well, Katie has cerebral palsy. She has a dislocated hip. She has a retrograde pelvis, which is torn backwards, basically, is oh, what it means. Oh. Um, her femur is twisted. And no doctor here in Ireland will help her. And she was very, very, very tiny when all of this was diagnosed, right? She was two when she was diagnosed with all this. Now, we've argued with them for years and years and years to get Katie the help she needs. And all we're getting is she's too weak. We wait till she stops growing. And every other excuse you could think of. So It's cool, isn't it? As Katie's mum and Katie's carer, I had to do something to help her because she's getting to the stage now. We brought her to America in 2016, 14, I can't remember, yeah, okay. 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> for SDR surgery. Katie couldn't walk. She was dependent on her wheelchair. She was dependent on her walker. And we brought her to America for SDR and she came back from America walking. Go away. Was that surgery yeah. she had in the States then, was it? Yeah, it's, it's selective dorsal reduction. Um, basically, they removed spasticity from her body. Okay, how did they, how did you fund that? We had to fundraise. Go away. And we were told at the time, well, I was told at the time, because was on your child, that if I brought her for that surgery, I'd leave her permanently in her wheelchair. She very, very, very rarely uses her wheelchair. We have one. It's too small for her. They have put in for funding for a new one. But that surgery made the difference in the sense that she can Oh, it made now a walk. major, major difference. Okay, and how old is she now? But now, she's 16 now. Yeah. Now we're in the same boat again. We have to bring her again back to America for surgery on her hip because no doctor here will, help, will, will touch her because of the complex, this, com- I can't say that word, because it's so complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we have to raise 300,000 euro. Yourself. Get her to America for surgery, obviously for her stays over there, and for physiotherapy when she comes back. Because she won't get a hit. The only surgery since before COVID, or the only help since before COVID that Katie has got, is physiotherapy with students that are learning to... to that's appalling, Obviously, isn't it? Obviously, local people with, with special needs. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no disrespect to those that are learning their trade or learning their profession, but it's... Um, well, do you know what? It's very disrespectful. She has two at the moment. 
We've two more weeks with them. And they have done more for Katie in the last two sessions that she's had than the physiotherapist that she has. And you full-time, 24-7, looking after her care? 24-7. Yeah. She, now, look, we are lucky, you know, like I heard that lady before me, with Katie, it's only Katie's legs that's affected. Katie can talk. Katie can do 95% things for herself. She goes to mainstream, mainstream school. She's stubborn and she will not let anything get in her way. So in your case, really, it's the fact that um, very important surgery has to be funded for, um, probably go-funded, to the tune of €300,000. Yeah, well, we're sitting at just over €6,000 at the minute, and that's since before Christmas. Yeah, it's slow, isn't it? we We know people are broke, and... We're just trying our best. I don't know how long it's going to take me to raise it. But I can't sit here and see doctors telling, telling my child, no, there's nothing I can do for you. Uh, a matter of fact, when we got the second opinion, we brought Katie to Poland. For, to, to, to me, Dr. Paley, who's based in Florida, he flew to Poland to see my child. And I told Katie Sorgen that we were bringing her for this surgery. And she agreed with us that she needed it. Mm. But, but yes, she won't do anything here. Yeah. Because she's too weak. Katie's too weak. Yeah. Yeah. Like Katie can walk on her own, like around the house. If she's outside, she uses crutches because we live in Cove. And do you think then <laughs> that, that in, yeah, there's all hills to go, <laughs> but do you think that if that surgery were done, then she'd have independent living for the rest of her life? Well, like, it'd be a hard slog once she gets it done, obviously, because we have to build up her strength again. There is a two-year kind of build-up back of getting her back to, I won't say normal, because she'll never be normal. Yeah, but I know um, what you mean, yeah. But she'd yeah. be able to walk. At the moment, one leg is shorter than the other. He's going to, like, lengthen the two legs. Like, she walks kind of like a penguin at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's going to, like... Make her two legs the same length. He's going to fix her, her pelvis, fix her femur, twist it to where it's supposed to be. And what does Katie say about all of this and the potential surgery? Well, when we brought her to Poland, I said to her, look, she was 15 at the time. I said, look, this is your decision now. I said, you're nearly an adult. I said, if Dr. Paddy tells you that he'll help you, you can make decision the decision as to whether you want the surgery or not. Yeah. When we were in with Dr. Paley, as I said, Katie's stubborn. He said, for, like, I, uh, to be honest with you, Neil, I've never, ever, ever seen an examination like he gave her. Mm. Okay, hold on there, because okay. I want to finish the conversation correctly. I don't want to just rush the last couple of minutes of this. I'll pick up and finish the conversation with Antoinette after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sports every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. I listened to the story with tears in my eye, your conversation with Billy on Friday. We as carers have to beg and fight for everything, which is the lowest of the low. We save the government billions as we care at home without home support or visits from public health nurses, OTs or physios. If we were in any other country, we'd be to- we would be top of the priority list. Here's another few. It's disgraceful the way carers are treated. Some people spend decades looking after loved ones 
And when they get to retirement age, they're not even entitled to a contributing pension. Uh, people with disabilities and their families shouldn't have to go through this disgusting treatment for such little help. It's hard enough to cope with daily life as it is. Shame on the government for what they do. Yeah, not just to Billy, but many others. There's a lot of extra things needed when caring for someone with disabilities, Neil. And you can feel humiliated when asking for things to help them. It's exhausting to put in the effort to avail of what's needed. You shouldn't have to. People should be asking you, how can we make things better? TDs get paid a fortune for running the country into the ground, while carers must get on their knees and beg for what they should be getting in the first place. There's loads more like this. The form to apply for the carer's grant is 30 pages long. Bank statements, credit union statements, doctor's letters and many more documents are required. It's nearly as bad as applying for a mortgage. In fact, it's probably worse. The poor man trying to do his best for his child, Amanda. Carers' payments should not be means tested. It's a disgrace. Our government should be hanging their heads in shame for the way they're treating the Irish people. Well, as Antoinette said, they, they say all of the right things. They make all the right soundings. Oh, it's terrible. It's a disgrace. We're going to help. I'm going to sort this out. And they look sympathetic. Uh, but that's it. It's just words and gestures uh, not followed up by any substance or action. So, Antoinette, um, I want to give out details of the, of the GoFundMe to help Katie because she's gung-ho for the surgery, I suppose, isn't she? That's what she told the surgeon in Poland, I'd imagine, was it? Yes, she did. Yeah. But as I said, Katie's very stubborn. And when Dr. Bailey said he could help, she was like, okay, yeah, you know, and she was real calm. The soon as Dr. Bailey left that room, Katie burst into tears. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, what's wrong? And she said, somebody's finally listening to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, she knows herself. That if she doesn't get this surgery, she's going to end up back in a wheelchair. Sorry. She must be very frightened, Antoinette. She really must. She does, like, she has her independence. Yeah, she's on crutches. But she has her own way of doing things. She's, you know, yes, she still depends on me to do, like, to help her through the shower and um, help her with her shoes and different, you know, things that she can't do. But, like, if she... Her friends would ring, we're going out, are you coming? They don't leave her out. No matter where they're going, they'll always ring and say, are you coming out? She has great friends. Yeah. So she, do you know what? They're the most fantastic group of friends you could ask for. They, they look out for her all the time. It's like as if the uh, HSC allocates money um, in particular areas, right? That they kind of ring fence uh, and you can't touch it. And that includes nearly a million euro spent on security for Millfeet House in Blackpool, which is empty, yet they spend yeah. 900 grand on security on this place. Yeah. Yet, yeah, but that, like, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, I'm going to just give him one typical example. I get the big wages, and when it comes down to our children, they're the ones left on the scrap heap. I know. And only for, for carers and parents like myself that fight tooth and nail for our children, that won't take no for an answer our children will be left in I don't know what state Katie did, you ever, did you ever contemplate suing them I have um, I just I, to be honest with you, I don't have the money you don't have the energy nor the money <laughs> yeah you'd have to have no, the like, money because yeah. to sue somebody you need money yeah. yeah you know what I mean and I just I, just, I don't have it 
to be able to go down the road of suing them. And do you have any thoughts then on, say, the 676 million that they spent on hotels and B&Bs, 30 million a week now for war-torn refugees? Everything, is it's just, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. Money is being spent stupidly by our government. And then people that genuinely need it are being left with nothing. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, like... I know. It's just, it's just so frustrating. And as I said, this is my second time having to put ourselves out there, make beggars of ourselves. I know. But let me, let me help in that little way by giving out details of the GoFundMe. It's called Help Katie Get Hip Surgery. And the goal is €300,000. It's a colossal amount of money. Yeah, like that's, that's the new size put around my neck now to try and get my child... You must be the exhausted. proper help that she needs because be. they're just not going to get it here. Is there any happiness and at all in your life? I mean, obviously the happiness of the love of family and children, but none of the normal things that families would look forward to or enjoy, no? No. No, no. Like everything, my life revolves around Katie. I know, I know. My children's lives revolve around Katie. They do everything for her. And they've sacrificed a lot because... Of Katie's needs. Yeah. Like simple, like, simple things, that, like we have, they have a school trip at the end of this, the year. They're going to Ballyhaf. Now, Katie's in Torje, my twins are in fifth year. Obviously, Ballyhaf is not suitable for Katie because she's on crutches. <laughs> she's no balance. But so, she still doesn't want to be left out though. She doesn't want to be left out, but she she won't go because what's the point, as she said, in sitting there watching everybody else having fun and I can't do anything. Mm. Mm. You know, she's terrified of water, so like to even put her in a kayak, even with somebody else. If she went into the water, whoever be in the kayak, where she oh, drowned. Sure like, I know, um, but for now there are <laughs> like things no that she way. can't do. Yeah, I know, I know. So I know. her brother and sister now have decided because Casey can't go, they won't go. Yeah. Because obviously they be leaving here the house to go on that trip as well. Yeah. And they said, no, we're not doing that, Anna. That's very touching. Yeah. You know, but yeah. like I said it to the school, now the school in fairness to them, they rang Ballyhas and they said that it was accessible. It is accessible, but not for Katie. Because of, like, as she said, they can do zip lining, but you can go to the end of a zip line. You have to run to stop. Ah, no, I know. I'm just wondering whether she could just go and be part of the crew and part of the group without having to, you know. I mean, she might be left out of some of the activities, but it'd be nice to be part yeah, of it. Yeah, but as she said, like, why? Yeah. When she has to sit there and watch everybody I else know. having fun. I know, I know. You know, it's just it's so, so hard for her, like. I know. Um... I know. Listen, yeah, um, the GoFundMe is so there. Yeah, I know. I do. I understand. I try and understand. Uh, it's hard for me to grasp how hard it must be on a 24-7 basis and now having to beg, well, like, as you, you say. Know, I, I survive. Like, I I'm her mom. That's my job. Okay. I have to look after her. Okay. Well, the GoFundMe has helped well, Katie her, get hip surgery. Like, it's, it's the frustration for her that she just can't get up and go, Mam, I'm going now. Like, if she wants to go out, it's like, Mam, can you give me a lift here? Can you bring me here? Can you bring me there? I know. I and know. then when she's coming home, it's like, can you, can you collect me? Where my other kids can just go, Mam, I'll go now, I'll be back later. I know. You know, she has to be dependent on me 
and if she gets this hip surgery, fingers crossed, she may be able to just go, Mama, go now, bye. Yeah. And you I would like, love that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. do you know what? It'd be the best thing ever for her. Yeah. You know, because at the, at the moment, like as I said, she's 16. I know. We had a good chat this morning, Antoinette, um, and uh, I'm going to leave it there for now and encourage people, if they can help, to maybe think about doing so. But do stay in touch, all right? I will. Thanks so much, Kev. You're more than welcome. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Antoinette. That's a a GoFundMe that's been set up. Help Katie get hip surgery. Uh, The goal is is €300,000, and uh, it stands at 6580 It's very sad, isn't it? Um, You know, that all these things, all too often, have to be the result of GoFundMe or the generosity of the public. Um, Christy Thornhill is a pure gentleman in this town of Skibbereen. Fair play to him, says Stuart. And it was Christy Thornhill who called me on Friday to give Billy a tumble dryer. And he is, that is the mark of a gentleman. I think his wife was listening at the same time and said to him, Billy or Christy, call the radio station and sort out Billy. And that's what they did. Wonderful couple. It's a disgrace for that gentleman. What rigours he's been put through. And you spoke the other day of the 30,000 thrown at someone to furnish their house. Uh, They were not Irish, if I remember correctly. We should all go to Dublin shouting, out, out with this government, says Lisa. Now, be very careful here. <clears throat> Somebody texted to suggest that they saw a cheque for 30 grand being cashed or something like that going over the counter of a post office. I'm not saying that it actually is accurate, the amount nor the story, but I do know of uh, supplementary payments that are made to help people to furnish um, you know, uh, properties that they might be moving into if they haven't got money. There is a special fund for that. Now, in the case of what I was talking about last week, a figure of 30 grand was mentioned. It's the chancellors who have milked the system on over and over again that have ruined it for the genuine cases, you see. Billy deserves the help, but has to jump through hoops because many others would be straight in if they thought they could get a payment for nothing. Yeah, I suppose those systems are in place to weed out those that are just out with the beg and bowl all of the time. It's shocking, but, you know, I think you can tell a genuine case, can't you? And you certainly could cross-reference through different government departments as to what is the state with regards to Amanda, his daughter. Shocking that a repairman would charge €170 to repair a tumble dryer. He could have told him to buy a new one for not a hell of a a lot more. And another thing, if he gets a new machine, make sure he knows how to clean it out, defluff and empty the water. Good luck to him, Suzanne. Uh, Yeah, well, he'll he'll do all of that with the brand new tumble dryer. Just listening to your programme and I want to say thanks for helping the people. Thank you for helping the people of Cork. My heart goes out to that man that got the dryer. Thank you. There's no point. There's no need to be thanking me. It's I just share the stories and it's the people of Cork that help. Not always just, um, you know, uh, one person helps. Many come to people's aid and that's a wonderful thing. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. John Donovan was on air on Friday and he was making the point about somebody being told that they had to bring in soiled and dirty incontinence pads because uh, the system or those in the public health were saying that too much was being used. That man is spewing utter lies and is not being truthful. I work in public health and there is no hope in hell someone would be allowed to walk into a facility with a bag of dirty, soiled incontinence pads. Their chemical waste and would be totally contrary to health and safety regulations and guidelines. All they would need to have done was get a letter from the public health nurse because they can do the evaluation. Um, morning, listening to Billy's story, it sickens me that there is a three-story house in Cove packed to the rafters with appliances that were given out by the HSE and not wanted. The same appliances are in the house for resale. 
really? You're joking me? Um, given out um, by the HSE, but not actually needed, and now just being resold? Who's doing the vetting in these things? Um, there's that and lots more besides. Get rid of our nation of civil servants. They do what they want. Uh, wherever they work, says Grace. Uh, great show. Uh, the country is rotten to the core, uh, says Eilish, listening in Waterford. Uh, You've got to wonder um, as to how they can make decisions, um, you know, in one aspect of the HSC, uh, say, for instance, on security detail, uh, but yet uh, make life so difficult for somebody or people who need help and they need it now. And and the topic we've been dealing with um, since Friday morning has been um, carers, people looking after their children, people like Sarah O'Brien. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? So your son Callum is at thirteen, um, and was he born? Was he born with complications? He was, yeah. So he was born six weeks early. Uh, he's born with a right-sided diaphragmatic hernia. How does that impact on his life? So, with the hernia, um, would have been on the right side. It was very, it was dangerous because you have your liver, you have your kidneys, you have everything's on your right side. So, all his organs were, they were all up in his chest. So, so that, was, so yes. So, he's right long, yeah. So, my understanding of that is that he couldn't walk, talk, or eat. Yeah, because see, he had to have so many operations. Um, he died a few times on the operating table. He crashed a few times in the ICU wards. Um, he was ventilated. Then he had to get a tracheostomy in. Um, he had to get a heart. He did, had to bypass his heart uh, because uh, he had tracheomalacia where the blood vessel from his heart okay. was blocked and moved his airway. An awful so lot by the time he got off everything... Then, and by the time he got home, he was married too. So it was like bringing home a brand new baby. Where do you start? You have to start from, start from scratch. So we had to learn him how to walk. We had to learn him how to eat. We had to, to, to learn to, to talk. We had to do everything. Are you a full-time carer, Sarah? So I tried to get full carers for Callum. Uh, and work at the same time. Um, he has so many appointments. We had to. He had so many appointments. We there was we had to go off to Crumlin. We had we had to see with age appointments. So I couldn't work and get carers. You could only just work twenty hours. Yeah, you could work twenty hours and get carers allowance then. Yeah, so I ended up when COVID came in then. I became, I, I was always Callum's carer, um, but I was only entitled then to half carer's race then for him. Why? Because if there's two social welfare payments coming into the house, um, that's where I'm screwed, so I can only get half carer's. Yeah, because you need to mind him, you gave up work. Yeah, yeah. 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 So are but you... See, s- we're giving, you- so like, we're giving up work then, like, I'm, there's a lot more after I'm actually after seeing a lot more with Callum so there's queries of ADHD there's queries of autism there's Bison trying to get him into schools there's it's constantly yeah, go go yeah, go yeah. and then and if he's sick he's off all night I'm off all night giving him nebs making sure he doesn't get any worse we end was um, March two years ago we end up in the CUH 
he had um, a pneumonia, so we were in the CUH for a week. Um, do you have other kids? For that, I've one. Yeah, yeah Kyle. Okay. And how how do you cope with the household budget? Are you short all the time? You would be, yeah, because you see, you still have all the bills to pay. Like you have your gas bill, your VSB bill. You if there's appointments, you need appointments. You need money to go to get the bus to get something to eat. Um, mm. Like there's 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 refuse. Still, yeah. there's loads yeah. and then he's deaf and he's right here then as well so that's another appointment and another thing was so it's another, it's another example by. if you like and another story of people who have to fight for everything nobody comes to you with entitlements or advice or help you've got to hassle no. for it yeah yeah because I never knew what I was entitled to so like I'd be googling to see oh what am I entitled to or what could I get for Callum? What else do I need for Callum? Yeah. Like, what other supports are out there for Callum? Yeah, yeah. Like, you would have to go Googling or, like, on Facebook, like, you might come across groups where you might get some advice yeah. or something. Oh, I never knew I was being entitled to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that they keep everything hush-hush and they don't want people known that carers are entitled to all this stuff. See, see, I'm, to- I'm, told that, I'm told that within the HSE that staff working within the HSE aren't allowed to give you advice or to make suggestions to you. You have to ask questions yourself first. That was my understanding of it. I think that phone line is gone. That's fine. We'll get back to text. Um, thank you, Sarah, for your contribution. Why do they have to make any entitlement decisions whatsoever when people have already gone through all of their investigations to enable the recipient to get carer's allowance in the first place? Uh, surely they're qualified or not. If you're already getting the payment, you've already proved you need it. It's so frustrating and humiliating for the likes of Billy. How dare they? I hope people remember all these stories. Next time there's an election, get rid of this shower. Well, I've heard that many times in the past too. Get rid of this shower. But <laughs> who do you put in instead of them? Regarding carers and nappies, back 10 years ago, I had a head of public nurse, I had a head of public health nursing call to my house by appointment to fill out a questionnaire. She said she wanted to know how many nappies I was using and that three changes was ample. She also wanted to know the weight of the nighttime nappy. I said, if you want the weight of the nighttime nappy, call in the morning and weigh it yourself. I was fuming that it came down to the weight of a nappy. Indeed, I gave her a piece of my mind and never heard another word from her or anyone else regarding the amount of nappies we were using. It was unreal carry on, says Bernie. Uh, Hi, I have about 10 boxes of pads that the HSE won't take back just because the box's seal is broken. The packaging is perfect. If you can find a home for them, that would be great. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Fast one here, actually, that I saw at the weekend, or at least it was sent to me. You need to be on the alert here. And it's quite alarming, actually, the young people behaving like this. This is on the mums of Glanmire, where they're saying, Hi, mums, just to make you aware, there were a gang of boys, approximately seven, down the park. One pulled a knife on my son. Uh, hit him with a big stick first and then followed him and his friends up to Crestfield, then pulled out a knife. Guards were sending a patrol car. They're about 14 years old, even a few younger. He's a bit shook up, but thankfully okay. I am absolutely raging. So that's the world we're living in now, yeah? 14-year-olds pulling knives on each other. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. 
text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. Back to the calls in a few minutes' time, but just to clear some more texts because there's a massive backlog. I'm in carer's benefit. I have a child with autism. My husband's on a good wage. You only qualify for the benefit for two years. You know, when the two years are over, I won't qualify for the carer's allowance. That's a disgrace because I dropped my hours at work to 18 hours to care for our child. We're paying high mortgage, cars, bills, etc. And also have the added bills of many therapies for our child. It's a disgrace to be means tested for this payment. Thank you for that text. Oh, and incidentally, thank you to everybody who got in touch to say that the US president's helicopter is called Marine One. Thank you for that. Fair play. And then I just heard you, Neil, making a comment in regard to refugees needing to vacate hotel bedrooms. Well, I've rang two hotels this week and neither are taking summer bookings because they're holding on to refugees. And a third place yesterday came back to me and said the same thing. Three different hotels. The government wants the Irish to stay and holiday here. How can we when all the rooms are occupied? says Robbie. And another quick one on that, Pat says, the money being spent on refugees at the moment is taken from the pension pot of mine and your pensions. Our generation is and will pay for Ukraine long after we've passed on. And then the tragic uh, car crash up in Galway that led to the deaths of two young teenagers, 14 years old and a uh, 13-year-old also very, very critically ill in hospital. That story coming out of Galway is so sad. Those kids were so young. What were they doing driving a car and out of their beds at that hour of the morning? Did their parents not know where they were? Don't know. I can't answer that. I have no idea what young children like that of that age were doing driving a car a quarter to six in the morning in Hedford crashing into a tree leading to the deaths of, tragic death of two of them. Um, I would imagine though that that will form part of a Garda investigation wouldn't it? So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Here's a bizarre story, actually, that happened to David Roach. He wasn't even in the country at the time. It's a story that I read from, uh, I think it was Sarah Horgan in the Echo this morning, uh, regarding um, uh, a gorse fire uh, down West Corkway that resulted in a bill for over two grand. Anyway, David tells the story much better than I could. David, good morning. How are you? You must have got a right shock, but there's some consolation because I was reading in the paper this morning, you're not the only person that's got a big bill uh, for a fire that wasn't of your making. What happened? Well, it's very simple. There was a ghost fire on Commonage, both on the Mizzenhead and on Sheepshead, and it threatened property. It didn't enter into the properties, but it threatened property because it was out of control. And uh, citizens around here, not only myself, but two other people, my neighbours whom I know personally, plus a lady out in Goline and another uh, gentleman who called two fire brigades who owns a shop in Ballydehob. They all got bills. Uh, I got 2000 and something, and uh, the lady out in Goline got 2000 and No, she uh, got 2400 to be accurate. Well, well, I was around the same, about the same. Yeah, but it's a lot of money. And the guy in, in and the gentleman who owns the shop here in, uh, in Ballydehob got over 6000 because he called twice. Now, that's a disgrace. I mean, it's an emergency service. The fire was not on their property. They were not paying for the service to come and put out the fire on their property. They were doing their social duty. And, they, you know, they get this sort of a reaction. Well, what do you expect the effect in the community to be? Nobody will be calling the fire brigade if they see a fire again. Absolutely. So you're telling me that if somebody observes something like a fire, right... 
say, and in this case, it's Gorse Fires, and they call it in, they're liable for the bill for the fire service to go out and put it out. Well, now, it's, it's, uh, the wording of the ruling is actually ambiguous, and in this case, the fire brigade violated its own rulings. I read you the wording, uh, the, the wording of the ruling. It said, if it is determined that the fire occurred on commonage, there's no bill due. Now, all of these fires occurred in commonage. So actually what you're looking at is systematic malpractice of sending out bills to people where they're not warranted to do so according to their own wording of their own regulations. So Unless the fire brigade enters into your property and you've called it to put out a fire in your property, then you're deemed not to be the beneficiary of the fire. Uh, and you no know, bill is due. But if you do call it and the fire is in your property, then they can charge you. Yes. So if, if anybody has a fire, say, on their own property, their house or a shed or anything like that, and the fire brigade are called, you have to pay. According to their rules. It's not now, a public service, then, that's covered by our taxation. Well, that's what I don't understand. I mean, uh, that's like paying for the army to go to war. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you get a bill for every tank they destroy. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can be said to be the beneficiary of them defending you, but I mean it contradicts the whole the whole purpose of public services. We pay taxes for the general good. Do you get you like, for instance, do we know if you call an if you call an ambulance, for instance, to take you critically ill to a hospital? Well, there you are. Do you have to pay the ambulance? Yeah, and it can go on. I mean, the, the principle is absolutely ridiculous. So you pay once with your taxes, and you pay twice to know you need the emergency services. I mean. Give me a break. Yeah, actually, we just have the Claire just put up some of the charges here. Uh, there is a domestic chimney fire charge of two hundred and fifty euro. Uh, there is a road-based incident uh, charged per hour at four hundred and eighty euro. It's it's quite alarming, isn't it? Um, there is uh, other fires or incidents you'd pay per hour six hundred and sixty euro. So you know there is a call-out charge. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous because you pay with your taxes, but you then have to pay with an individual bill on you if you actually use the service you've already paid for in your taxes. Yeah, okay. So there's a lot going on here now. It's a lot more detailed than, say, your particular story where it was an invoice for two and a half grand for calling in, as a good citizen, a fire that you would be held responsible for the bill. Yeah. It's yeah. very important. It's the fire was on commonage, which, according to the fire brigade's own rules, are not invoiceable. They, can, they, they cannot charge you for that. Yeah, Leo Bulger, owns Bali, Leo Bulger owns a restaurant in Ballady Hob and got yes. a bill for 6000 after the Skull and Bantry Fire Brigade services were called to extinguish, to extinguish gorse fires around Coomfarna, Doris and Bantry. He called it in. Yes, and he called two fire brigades, so he got a double bill. I mean, it's crazy. And have they said that these are clerical errors, do you think? No, they, 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 they have not even agreed to withdraw my charge. What are you going to do next? I go to court. Should surely be to God the judge will throw that out. Sure, it wasn't even on your I land. I would have thought so. I, I, I would have thought so. I mean, it's a cut and dry. But you see, you have two principles here. The first principle is this billing... To me, and I would suggest certainly to the to, to the two other people, was probably also fire on commonage, and uh, is is in violation of the fire brigade's own regulations. That's number one issue. The second issue is a broader issue, which is very important. If you want to use emergency services and you need them, 
then you can be you can be charged for them according to the the, the menu you just re- read out. Now, why is that valid? Why are we paying taxes for emergency services which we then are invoiced for whenever we need them? So there are two issues here. Absolutely. And you will not pay it then and will get a summons, you think? You think you'll get a summons to appear in court? Uh, I say it'll take time. They'll either cancel it and back down or I'll I'll go to court. No doubt about it. I will not pay it. Okay, I know the ECHO contacted Cork County Council for comment. It'd be interesting to see what they say on the matter. But you're happy to go into court and fight this. Yeah. It's this bizarre story because how gorse fires. Are they intentionally set by farmers? Uh, 90% are set by individuals. Now, I'm not going to name a... No, of course you're not. But, but is it to clear... What is, what is the reason for gorse fires? Uh, the, yeah, the reason for gorse fires, which are themselves are environmentally scandalous, is to burn off the, 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 the furs of the gorse and the overgrowth on the commonage so that they can graze sheep and so on on it. And is this so the time of year for this? Growing up. Is this the time of year when this happens? Yes, yes. It's the time of year they do it when they get dry, dry weather. But of course, when they do that, they're, they're burning off the coverage on the commonage, on the wild land. Uh, they're burning it off at the time of nesting and at the time the, you know, the, the small animals are breeding. So you're actually killing ah. tens of thousands of them. So there's a bigger Without story a here in the sense that many wild animals and small creatures are being are perishing in the fires. Yes. That's true. Like, right down to frogs, I mean. Frogs and, and I suppose, foxes and rabbits and hares. And the young, of course. I mean, a fox can run. Birds. The young can't. Yeah. Uh, and hares and rabbits, the same thing. You can say and stoats and weasels and the whole, the whole gamut of what we're supposed to be encouraging as our biodiversity. We actually burn it. Okay, um, yeah, that's very so sad got, as well. It's got, that's the third aspect of it. Yeah, there are many strings to this bow, in fairness. But another one, of course, is that people will be slow to call in a fire um, and will say, it's none of my business, I'll get billed for it, and they'll ignore it. Well, you know, if you see uh, a fire house on fire and you, nobody's paying attention to it or other children on the top floor, if you call the fire brigade, uh, and you give your air code for your own place, you will get a bill. Even right. though that house has nothing to do with you. It's an amazing story. Listen, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what happens with regards to your good self next. Will you stay in touch and let us know? Oh, if... I'll, I'll, I'll stay in touch. You may have to visit me up in Port today, but I'll stay in touch. <laughs> all right. I doubt that, David. I doubt it. I but you never know in this country anymore. But thanks for taking the call for now. Thank you. Cheers. Take talk. care. Bye. They don't charge for every single thing. I just saw you showed me stuff there on the screen, Claire, the things that the fire brigade do charge for. But there are particular areas that they, they don't charge for. Like they don't charge, for instance, incidents where a fatality has occurred. They don't charge for incidents involving self, self-harm or attempted suicide. Uh, they don't charge uh, for a malicious false alarm unless the caller can be identified and then built. Well... You would charge for a malicious false alarm if you could find out who made it, wouldn't you? Um, fallen trees on public road, if you call that in, they don't charge for that and other things like that. Uh, but for some of the things that they do charge, includes, including, um, uh, where are the other ones there? They, they charge for things like chimney fires or house fires. You know, they're not free call-outs. you you got to pay for them. Um, text 0868104106. Back after the break. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Talking a lot about carers this morning. The means testing for carers is too low. Most people barely are over the minimum wage and they don't qualify. So they must fund everything themselves. The equipment costs thousands. Either pay thousands for each piece of equipment or wait years and years on the HSE list for it. There is no physiotherapy, no speech and language, no occupational therapy. You might get one appointment every six months and that's if you're already in the system. Try and get into the system. You wait months for basic things from the HSE. A carer is expected to do everything, including the physio and basic care needs 24-7, while still having to work to keep a roof over the family's heads, food on the table and the lights on. This country is an absolute disgrace and the government should be ashamed of themselves. But unfortunately, they are so out of touch and delusional, they don't care about anyone but themselves and lining their own pockets. And that will continue as long as people continue to vote them back into power. Why would they care when they know every time they'll just be voted back? Another one here. Carers are invisible in this country, quietly in the background, saving the government millions where they are treated like garbage. No one cares for the carer. No one asks about the carer's health. You're expected to just get on with it. The government knows that family carers will never stop caring for a loved one. There is no way out in this country. No respite, no home support hours, no services. Eventually, we have to ask, who will care for the carer? What will happen when the carer becomes more and more burned out from the lack and support and services? Uh, And they're very, very very relevant questions. Just one or two more, um, which I will come back to in a few minutes. Just going back, actually, to my conversation with Antoinette uh, regarding her GoFundMe, help Katie get hip surgery. Um, They need to raise €300,000 because the surgery cannot and will not be done in Ireland. So she told her story just before 10 this morning. Uh, Mick Hall joins me by phone. Mick, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Now, you were moved by that story. You run Intrust Communications. What do you do? That's it. So we, we call people for a living. We fundraise for charities. Uh, to be honest, Neil, I only heard half the story, but it was, you know, touching enough. So what I'm saying... Are you a call centre, Mick, is it? Yes. Yes, okay. we're a call centre. Okay. Uh, we're based in Cork. So um, if Antoinette gets in touch, what we could do, what I was thinking, we could bring businesses... We could tell the story, we could send an email with the link. Um, I, I put it on my website as well. Look, if so, if anyone, if people donate, it's near, it gets money nearer the 300k target. And do, would you be optimistic that you'd have some success in that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've done it before for individuals uh, where we help them, you know, to reach their target. But this, as I say, look, whatever we can get, she's nearer the target. Okay. So all we want to do is help. Okay. I've got Antoinette back on three here. I'm assuming that she heard my conversation with the Antoinette. Good morning. Hi, Neil. So, so Mick just wants to jump on board there with his call centre to promote your fund to try and get the that, money that, up. Yeah? That would be absolutely amazing. It's very, very yeah, kind like, of I'm just, I'm, I'm stoned. Yeah, yeah. Because... Like I've done everything. Well, it can only no. I know it can only help, though. You know, he's got a lot of definitely hundred percent. Yeah, he's got the company. He obviously has the skills to do what he thinks will help. You know. Yeah. Okay. No, like I've done everything. Hi. Okay. Thank you so much, Mick. No problem. Look, if you give us a call or whatever afterwards, I mean, my plan would be: we ring businesses, we tell the story, 
we send them an email with the link and then you know it's up to them but, but we're promoting you know we're promoting it across the board and tell so me this Mick you know with the companies would that be a tax deductible expense yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah for sure yeah, yeah. it's win win so, isn't I mean, it uh, yeah Okay, okay, that's a great gesture. Antoinette, that must come as some relief to you, you know, that'll, that'll you know help. What? It is, because I, I've done everything to try. I know, I know. I raise You're a great case. mother. I just can't do it on my own. You're a great mother, you're a great mother. So I'm going to swap details, um, and you can hook up with Mick and put it together yourself, and do stay in touch, all right? I will, thank okay. you so much. Thanks so much Antoinette, for coming back. Antoinette, we'll do all we can, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And Mick, will you, you let me know um, how things are going and what kind of impact sure. you're having? Fair play to you, boy. 100%. Fair play. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thanks, Mick. No Take Bye care. Then. Great Bye people on Lee side. Mick Hall, in trust Communications. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, it would make it, you know, it would make you cry, actually, the things and the levels that people have to go to, uh, you know, for their loved ones, knowing, of course, in the background that uh, the state uh, know that carers and those that are caring for their children will never, ever stop doing that. So they kind of have you over a barrel to an extent, don't don't they? And that's the reality of it. Um, I will come back to this, I promise. And if I can get to more some more texts throughout the course of the morning, I promise I certainly will. Lots of texts and emails on that and uh, lots more besides. Um, and we'll come back to that uh, a little later on this morning. But our lines are open on 0818 You can pick up the phone. Landlords have been in touch as well um, because we hear all too often of people who are thinking that landlords really are the, the enemy or the, the villains of the peace, if you like. Michael sent me an email on, on Friday saying, I'm listening to your show regarding the ongoing uh, crisis uh, with regards to housing, but I would like to mail you the perspective of a landlord. And I'm not talking about guys who own 10 plus houses, just normal landlords. My situation is I own three properties in East Cork. One I live in and the other two rented out. So there are two rental properties. The motive behind purchasing two houses to rent is that I have two boys and one day I want them to own a house each. For the two properties I rent, I have two mortgages to go with it. Yes, I make a profit on both per month, but I also pay tax and also provide housing for two families. As a landlord, I have to comply with the various regulations and as one of my tenants are with HAP, I have to comply with their rules as well. All of that is fine. But the government could make things more attractive for landlords. And what if I wanted one to pass one of my houses on sooner rather than later? Surely I should have the right to serve adequate notice without legal worry. The housing situation is in crisis, but it's the failing of the government. And the only way they could help is to help landlords more. I want to stress I'm talking about normal landlords, not big property tycoons, uh, says Michael by email to neil at redfm.ie and that's again only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to housing in regards to the housing crisis another part of the problem is that people can't get a big enough mortgage to afford a house most houses in Cork City are north of 300,000 they should bring in a law that if you're paying rent at a certain amount you should be able to get a mortgage at that rate if you can't pay it in rent you obviously can pay it if you can pay it in rent then clearly you can pay it in a mortgage. You're so right. I've been saying that for years. If it's doable to rent, why isn't it doable in a mortgage loan? Back to the phone lines. Mick, good morning. Morning. Okay. Um, the NCT is in absolute chaos. This we know. What have you got to share with me? 
Uh, well, Neil, on the 27th of February, I went on the priority list to try and get an NCT for care. Yeah. And since then, and numerous phone calls later, absolutely no joy in getting an NCT with this uh, company. Uh, basically culminated this morning, I'm ringing again, and then I have to be put through to their customer services. And what they were telling me, that they couldn't tell me, one, where I am on the list, and how long more I would have to be waiting. You did have you did have um, an NCT appointment though, did you? No, not for that county. That I bought it in, in early February, right. and I needed to, the NCT was out. Okay, okay. Because like I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here because I have an NCT on my car, uh, which is due now, um, and I went through all of the rigmarole that people do, and I was given an appointment for the 25th day of August. Well, that, that, in February, Neil, I got to take an appointment for October. Yeah. If you there's nobody going to wait that long. Yeah, but I don't and want to be driving around with an NCT disc out of date for five or six or seven months. So I rang them and I said, could I get on the cancellation list? What happens then is you cancel the appointment in August. You go on a cancellation list and they text you with a date. Well, Neil, I'm, I'm here since the 27th of February and numerous calls asking them for any any date, any time, any day, any uh, day or night, and I can't get it. Yeah. Actually, what they told me this morning is that, if you could imagine this, that you're trying to get a date for the thing, and I ask, like, how long more will it be? It's more complicated than that. That's the answer that I got from oh, your customer it's, it's, services it's, this it's, morning. It's not, but it's not the people answering the phone that have created this disaster. Like, I know an awful lot of people who have also gone on to the cancellation list, right? And without hogging the limelight, I'm only telling you my story as an example. Yeah. So the 31st of August was the date of the NCT in Little Island. And then I got on to them and cancelled it. Um, and then they came back to me Tuesday, just gone, saying, you now will have the NCT on the 25th of April. Which is quite good for you, Nate. No, but like, Which is, yeah. like why, why is it, like, how do they know? Like that, I'm going to that. There's a slot available on the 25th of April. If they already had said it was going to be August, yeah. And if you think about me, a cancellation is something that might happen today. I would have thought so. Yeah. Not 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 weeks ahead. Like we, it has to be said at this stage that 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 service is not fit for purpose. No. In, in this present in this present state, and they should adopt the model that they have in the UK, where by any good reputable garage that invests in the equipment should be allowed to carry out NCT tests and also, which is a big point for these, for, for a revenue side, that, that they should be able to repair as well, which they can do in the UK. And is there ever any issues with the MOT in the UK? Like there's no kind of underhanded dealing or dodgy dodgy mechanics or backhanders or anything like that? No, it's, it, it works, does it? It's a government-run service, Neil. And like you can actually go in if you, like if we don't, people don't do it anymore, but... If you go in and check your MOT history, you can actually go in and see what, when the car passed and even what it failed for. They just Online. can't get... They, uh, yeah. they can't get staff, apparently. That's the problem. And they're having to I, hire people I, from the Philippines and Spain. And that's, that's, that's how you do not need to be a mechanic to check an NCT. They could, they could take on apprentices and train them themselves. No, no, one third of the test needs a mechanic. The other two thirds of the test is but That's what I'm saying. They can train them to do it. You don't have to be a qualified mechanic to do those tests. Most of the tests inside are done by computer. And it's they're failing cars for all sorts of dopey things now. Did you know that? <laughs> sure, we've all been there, Neil. 
since, you know, we've all been there with that kind of stuff. So, what, like, what can you do? They're, say, they're saying it's a staff shortage, but at the same time, it, it's how come it wasn't here pre-pandemic, we say? I have, I, mean? I have no answer to that. I don't know. Is there more cars yeah, on the road or what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's, definitely no, there's definitely probably more cars on the road, but there's definitely more cars on the road without an NCT, you know? What if you were to because say that you need it, that it is an emergency and you absolutely must have the NCT fast as you can? They'll probably say, yeah, but just stick the application letter up on the windscreen. You'll be grand, is it? <laughs> it may be so, Neil. It may be so, but it depends on the person that stops you on the side of the road, the police, and what, what, what attitude they take towards you. There's no real consistency in it. But if you, somebody texts you and says, I rang the NCT on the 23rd of February... Um, asking for a date, and they gave me an appointment for the 24th of March. So it, it can be done, like. Oh, yeah. And, like, what, the other one this morning was ch- check online. Like, I've, I've been in there at 3 o'clock in the morning when you think something would be there. There's, n- there's nothing there. And where have you tried, like, Little Island, is it? Or you tried Blarney? Yeah, or? Would, there, there would be the two that I would go to need. It would be Blair, like, I'm living in Glamour, so uh, Little Island would be my nearest, but Blarney as well. But... The, there just seems there's nothing available. You're looking at dates into uh, October and November. And do we know that the company that have the franchise for the NCT, do they get penalised by the state for not fulfilling their requirements? So, so, as I said in the, the mail, of the note I sent you, it doesn't look like it. No penalties. You're running you're run the, run the service and there's no penalties for not performing, for non-performance. Okay, that's crazy. Let's and the see. other, the, the yeah, other yeah. one then is that I've been waiting over 28 days. I, I must go back and ask them, am I now entitled to a free well, NCT? Well, technically your NCT is free now. Yeah. All of our NCTs are free if they don't do it within 28 days of the cert being expired. Isn't that the case? Well, that, that's, that's what I would have thought, but I'd love to know if that's correct. All right. Well, I'm wondering if maybe somebody might contact us to say that they got a free NCT because the date was passed. OK, we'll pick it up after 10, after 11. Thanks, Mick. Anybody else having issues with the NCT? Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Talking at the back end of last week about modular housing and what have you, and I was saying be very careful if this becomes the norm uh, and if American companies come in to start to put them together and construct them, that we could end up with trailer parks. Mary says there is nothing wrong with trailer parks. America is full of them. At least the people have their own front door and privacy. Sinn Féin are all talk bashing the government, but they're the very ones who are objecting to housing plans all over the country. And there is a certain cohort of people who suffer from entitlement fever. Waiting on a housing list for 12 years just annoys me so much. Uh, Have they no ambition to own their own home? It took me a long time to get a deposit together, but now I own my house with pride. I worked hard, but never got a handout. I had my first foreign holiday last year, but it was worth the long wait, says Mary. And I'm delighted for you and that everybody should be as hardworking or as lucky um, as, your, as your good self. Um, I don't think it's fair to say that everybody on a housing list is there with the handout because they feel they are entitled. I accept that there's a proportion, without a doubt. Unfortunately, I think Ireland has a problem with entitlement fever. But I'm always very slow to generalise. Anyway, uh, let's see what other people make of that text to 0868104106. Um, I heard the text regarding the old Lidl in McCroom 
this is going to be the new post office. Also, there were seven houses across from the Riversdale Riverside Hotel. They were bought by the Direct Provision Hotel as well as three modular homes and also an old bungalow is being done up. None of these, of course, for Irish people. Um, the reality with regards to our story uh, involving pipers in Kinsale, uh, the reality in the eyes of some people isn't lost on me. They say the reality is that West Cork don't want locals. They only want outside tourists. Sure, no locals can afford to buy property down there. It's all being sold overseas. Give me Kerry any day. Now, um, I don't have any update with regards to pipers and the predicament they find themselves within regarding uh, Kinsale or the possibility of putting the Marys in there this summertime. We have emailed um, Cork County Council because that's what you have to do as opposed to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Uh, but I've had no response back from County Hall, either the County Council or indeed the Chief Executive Officer's um, um, involvement in it. So I don't, I don't know. I can't add to that. But I did hear news say at 11 o'clock that they got a response from uh, County Hall saying that they won't discuss it with the media, that it is between them and Piper's full stop. So we'll have to see what happens. I think maybe that story could have a development at the back end of this week. There could well be a rally or a protest uh, with regards to it. But the irony wasn't lost on me on Friday morning when somebody texted me. The reality in Kinsale is that you have a new cohort there now who just don't want the type of clientele in the town that the Marys attract. Full stop. So anyway, that's the latest on that. If there's an update, I'll come back to it. Susan, good morning. Morning, Neil. Are you a carer? I'm a carer, yeah. I've been a carer since 2010. For two children? Two children. And tell tell us a little bit about the two kids. Yeah, so um, my oldest is 14. uh, Scarlett, she's got cerebral palsy. She's an intellectual disability. She's visually impaired. And bladder issues. Okay. Did you at all hear Billy's conversation with me on Friday regarding going into Abbey I've, Courthouse? I've only heard glimpses of it, okay. and it's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> um, and and also the manner in which you have to tell your story up at the window. You know, you're you're literally it is absolutely heartbreaking for any carer in any situation to have to air uh, what he, happens in their own private. Everybody okay. hears your business. You see. Exactly. And that's, that's happening all over the place. Even to have to come on to you is degrading to, to air what is going on in our own lives, which should be private business. And then, you know, he needs to get three months bank statements, three months um, pay slips. The man's a full-time carer. He's 79 years old. He needs to get a letter from a doctor. and It's, it's pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to state that your child has a disability, like, uh, you know, I, I've lost my carers last June, and that's why I'm going to speak now. But we have to prove that our child has not, our, our child, our adult child, has not lost their disability. Why on earth would you want to state anyone has a disability unless they truly do? That the, that the disability has miraculously disappeared, is it, they think? Exactly. I um, know people, like my daughter's physical disability, she's never going to be better from what she is. Uh, I've heard of people with Down syndrome, you know, have they recovered? There is no recovery. You, but nobody would ask a question, has the Downs disappeared? Surely It people. has. <laughs> no, no, it has. And I've, I've heard of it. And the same with my daughter. It's not like she's going stupid, to be miraculously... That is a stupid question to ask. 
it is absolutely horrible and it's like saying, for if, anyone if, to like even by any chance it. have you grown a third arm it's pointless exactly. asking a stupid question like that exactly um, it is horrible and it happens all over the place um, there are so many different things like that and you know it, it, it is disgusting absolutely disgusting um, like I, I had to prove my daughter had a disability um, it happened every now and then the carer's allowance is assessed my carer's allowance was assessed. Um, I was disqualified last Why? June. Why? Um, they, they claimed my husband was getting two wages. Now, if he was getting two wages, we had no paperwork to prove it. All and how are they? Do they have to? Do they just say that, or they have to prove? They that? go through everything, but every figure they came back with, none of them added up. We had an accountant looking at our figures. Nothing that they came back with. We sent back paperwork with it. I appealed it. This was June. I appealed it. I didn't hear back till October. And they had given me a no again, saying that they were right. There was no one would answer my calls. I'd ring. They couldn't talk to me over the phone. I reappealed it with more paperwork. And event in, in, that was October. Again, in February, I finally got a yes. And they they see they can see their point, but they can see our point. But is the simple understand. question: Was your husband working two jobs or not? I wish he was. He's working every on uh, every hour under the sun. He's a farmer, but they don't understand farming. Yeah. Um. He's not getting. He's getting a wage. He's getting a weekly wage. He's not getting anything else. He's not getting supplements. It's nothing. No paperwork, like everything. We're we're in so much debt. We're under the threshold. We're nowhere near what they claimed we were getting. So um, it took nine they, months to iron that out, and of course, it saved the state nine months of carers for you. Nothing. And when they gave it back would, to you, they only gave you back half rate. They only have to give me back half rate. But for those nine months, I had nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I was. I was. We get a domiciliary carers allowance. Our domiciliary amount uh, once a month. And I was scraping it. Okay, okay. You know, my kids would ask for something. I couldn't give it to them. Yeah, yeah. And this went on for nine months. They wouldn't answer the phones to me. They wouldn't do anything. Sounds as if you have your hands full 24-7. I can even hear it there. Here's your opportunity. I won't keep you much longer, but you did say in your lengthy text, no one knows what a carer goes through. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, like, uh, oh, I, like from the minute I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm getting my kids ready. My son, my son is pre-verbal autistic. He's never going to get better either. You know, nothing, um, nothing's going to change in our lives. Caring is only getting harder. It's not getting better. Mm. Mm. It's awful to have to say no all the time, isn't it, to kids? It, it is. Yeah, like I've three kids. Two of them are on, have additional needs and we've had nothing. You know, I've had to say no to them all year. We haven't been able to do anything extra. We haven't been able to do anything. We don't even go on a holiday anyway, but I haven't been able to do kind of day trips. I, we, I normally get the photo pass, so at least we can go to photo zoo. I haven't renewed that last year because I couldn't afford it. So that's a simple day out. That's a day you pay for once a year 
and you only have to pay for your car in well, and out. D- I couldn't d- renew that. A little later this month, right, and into early May, I'll be giving, I'll be getting my hands on an object we did last year. I don't know whether you heard last year, we got family passes for all sorts of fantastic tourist attractions all over the county of Cork. I'll be doing that again this summer and I promise you I will allocate some to you and your family. Are you telling me you don't go on summer holidays then? We don't go on summer holidays. Where can we go? I uh, like my husband's full time working. I'm on my own with so the farmers kids. can't go on summer holidays. So exactly. going to run? Like, that's, like you don't go to my Spain daughter, if you're a farmer, do you? Yeah, m- no, exactly. But even even an Ireland holiday, like my daughter is a two person uh, lift, as they call it. She, it takes two people to manage her. My son is a flight risk. Um, I've I've tried to talk to OTs about getting him a, f- a safety buggy for keeping him secure because my daughter is visually impaired. She can't see a slight incline on a step. Oh, it's full on So I'm constantly, yeah. she's in a power chair, so I'm constantly watching her. He's trying to run and OTs won't even... Um, won't even tell me what I can look at for a safety buggy for us to private purchase because the HSE won't even, they, they, they won't talk to me about it. Mm. So I don't even know what to look at because they're saying I'm trying to restrain my son, but I'm not. I'm trying to keep my two children safe. You know, I was talking this morning about how they can waste money then, nearly a million on securing a little building that's had nobody in it since 2019. You know, it's, an, it's insane. Um, They've built an amazing state-of-the-art building out in Curraheen across the road from me. We've helped fundraise for it. Mm. We, went, we went to Red FM. We were with myself and my daughter. We were Faces of Enable Ireland fundraising through ye to get that state-of-the-art physical disability centre up and running. And now it is for mixed people. I was told about the integration of the services and that this is going beyond everything. I was told, told about this, uh, the services uh, combining by wouldn't it be a great comfort to my family having two children with disabilities to have them under the same roof with mm. the same therapist. Mm. My son's therapy is nothing like my daughter's therapy. Mm. They're complete different. It is an absolute shame and disgrace that Enable Ireland across the road from me is being not used for the right the right reason. I wasn't aware I wasn't aware of that. I know the facility and it is spectacular. I've passed it often enough to see it. Um, it is. It was designed and built for physical disability. All the wheelchair aspects you could, you you need, are in that building. And children with physical disabilities have been outsourced all over the country to different services, and none of them are equipped to deal with the physical disabilities that the children have. But sure, those services are available in, in Able Ireland, aren't they? They are, but uh, like. They're, they're all being, there's Middleton Primary Healthcare Centre that has now got children with physical disabilities. Cope and Matten have children with physical disabilities. They were, they were built for children with AST. They, were, they weren't built for, for physical disabilities. Mm, okay, okay. But that, that's the services they're now going through. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, that could well be for another day because I'm just trying to hone in on how difficult it is to be a carer and always feeling as if you're begging or having your hand out. Oh, and, not I, I, to... and that's it. And I've tried to beg and it's been falling on deaf ears. And it, it like we, we were protesting last summer uh, for FUS Ireland, Families Unite for Services together. And I basically broke down in the middle of Grand Parade told everyone my whole history. My daughter was three years waiting for a wheelchair. I told everyone how my carers was cut and I had nothing. And someone came up to me afterwards and handed me money. 
and Mick Nugent gave me 10 euro for my diesel to get home. Mm. You know, like, mm. uh, but no one else, no one else has approached me on any of that yeah, matter. I know, I know, I know. And I've had nothing. It's heartbreaking. It really is. You must feel very bitter about this, um, the hand I'm you've all been dealt. I'm extremely bitter. No, but you know about, about in life, like, you must feel bitter but, about the hand you've been dealt. It is, a, but the hand I'm dealt is my family. I will never change my children for what they are. Of course not, I know. I'm bitter for what, fair, what is happening that the country doesn't support me and yeah. like I'm alone I'm alone there's no one there to talk to because even my daughter's waiting for an emergency psychology uh, help through her services for a couple of years now and she's waiting on she, she mentally can't can't cope with surgeries and all the things all hospital related but stuff she's pre- on an emergency prof- list but the professionals aren't October. there they fit, they can't hire them they don't people don't want to work within the HSC system they're going to they're private private they go the overseas surgery. they're happily to do the surgery but they're not there to support or through it you know it's and so mentally she can't yeah. she yeah. can't deal with the idea of going into the hospital for an appointment because she's worried they're going to actually do something yeah so you got you're kind of jammed in the system it's jammed up yeah. 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 On all aspects. Thanks for sharing, Susan. There are so many people in similar scenarios. Can't go on air. Don't want to be named. I agree with a lot of what people are saying uh, when it comes to the HSC and the council. Many love to tell disabled people and their carers, carers what is wanted um, uh, and will not listen to what the disabled person or their carers say. However, some do listen and are brilliant people. I'm disabled from birth and recently asked for a little bit of help for the first time in 50 years. I had some of what I asked for in about two weeks and work is ongoing on the other things. But I'm glad to hear that. At least somebody. Um, But again, you did have to ask. Um, I've been a carer for two years to my father who's been diagnosed with dementia. We can't get respite from my father, even though he's entitled to 30 days in the year. He goes to daycare one day, but cannot get a second. My mother is worn out. Our health nurse does her best, but she can't get much when we ask for anything. We have found you are only going around in circles in this country. You need to ask this person. You need to ask that person. Also, if I tried one private nursing home for respite, it was €1,300 for private respite for a week. In this world, who has that kind of money? Uh, Desi says, morning, the HSC spent €900,000 on security on an empty building, which they will probably sell when it falls into dereliction. That €900,000 could have paid for three kids' surgeries like Katie's in America, says Desi. You're absolutely right. Can't argue with the sums. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. We got to housing. Uh, people, don't sell your properties to the council. It will take years before they give them out. Look at the property backlog they have already. I've been told that allocations are short-staffed. They need at least 40 people more. But the government won't employ the people to fix the allocations problem. Uh, the ministers from Cork know this is a problem. Fix the damn thing, for God's sake. Well, you would think that, okay, you, you, you say, and I, don't, I can't disagree, I don't know, they need 40 more people, but I think there's enough people working in City Hall and County Hall, really and truly. I mean, it runs to thousands. You would think that it could be sorted. If there was a will, there'd be a way. I'm not a, not a landlord, but I'm guessing the politicians are delighted at how the housing crisis is firmly focused on placing the blame on the private landlord, of course. They must be rubbing their hands in glee says Fiona in Cove. Um, and then there's lots more like that, which I will 
which I'll come back to. Um, Pipers. I met my husband at the Pipers Mary's in the Mardike when I was 15. Oh, I was telling you that story on Friday. We got married when I was 22 and had five lovely children. My husband is gone six years now. I supported him through his cancer for 10 years. The news of the Pipers Mary's in Kinsale brings a tear to my eyes this morning. There might be an update on that, actually. Somebody mentioned that there could be some kind of a uh, a public rally with regards to that. Uh, shame on the council uh, for what they're doing to Pipers, taking away a tradition that's been there for generations. Maybe someone should set up a GoFundMe to pay the fee. No, I mean, that would be a nice gesture. But this 60 grand, that's a red herring. That's just to make sure that he goes away. I grew up in Kinsale and loved it, but the rich snobs have taken over the town in the last 10 years. You see, they think Pipers is too tacky for them. It doesn't have a high-end brand name on it. I moved out of Kinsale to a place with normal neighbours, uh, says Jim. So keep those common text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Um, very disappointing to see Terry Shannon walk over you. <laughs> I don't quite think the conversation went that way. He hardly let a word in and you just let him. However, it's good that the public get to see what councillors are really like. Um, Far right, no longer in the centre. Terry Shannon himself said they support the market adjusting with regards to uh, housing. Uh, I can tell you the market will screw the little guy. I've complained again and again, yet some of the multinationals and Irish companies just don't care. They only make money. But the workers in Cork are the working poor. No pension, no holiday pay, no sick pay if they get sick. Uh, we are sub-subcontractors now. We will never be able to afford to buy a house or have a pension from the looks of it. Um, when people vote Sinn Féin, it's another vote for even more open borders. You should be reminding people of that. In fact, there are other texts across that line. I love your show. It's terrible listening to the carer stories. And the fact that they get no help whatsoever. But people should now realise that this government is no longer interested in helping Irish people. Their priorities are now in other places. Being Irish now is a liability when you apply for any kind of help. Roll on the elections, but even that doesn't scare our government as they will give the vote to all non-Irish, says Pat in Bantir. Um, and Desi makes a very valid point. He says, they took half carers allowance from that lady because she got the pandemic payment. But they won't take a penny from the career criminals who get legal aid hundreds of times and destroy, destroy this country with drugs and their ongoing behaviour. And Orla suggests that Grace hit the nail on the head on the air because those in the civil service live smug lives. Well, it's kind of insulting to people who are in the civil service and work hard for little money, I think. Again, it's another form of generalisation. There will be a protest at Short Key and Kinsale on Sunday at 2pm. There'll be posters saying, bring back pipers, ban the ban. So apparently there will be a a protest and I'll talk to uh, hopefully people from pipers, maybe Brendan, later in the week on that. But it's it's planned for Kinsale Sunday at 2pm. Bring back pipers. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Marie, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for holding. Are you a carer for a child? I am a carer. Okay, for your now, son. Now, I don't live in Cork. I live in Kildare. That's fine. Thanks for listening. But um, I am a carer. But Billy's case on Friday had to do with looking for some benefit, some supplementary payment from Abbey Courthouse. Yes, it's called re- an exceptional needs payment. Exceptional yes. needs payment, thank you. To repair the tumble dryer because his daughter is incontinent because of her ongoing medical issues. Yes. And the tumble dryer and the washing machine are always on the go, right? 
yeah, I'm, okay. I'm the same. You're the you same. Know, it, okay. it was my washing machine I was looking for. And, you know, I filled in, there's a big form you fill in. I filled it in. I had to go to the electoral shop, you know, to get the price for the washing machine and my bank statement. Then they sent me back out a form and said that I needed to get uh, my maintenance order now. My husband has been dead nearly four years. So, and my youngest child is 19 and in college, so I don't get maintenance. But they also said my bank statement wasn't today enough. So I said, okay, I'd go and get a new one. But like, what's in the bank? Probably nothing, is there? And nothing. Do you know, my carers allowance, that's all that goes that's in there. I don't yeah. get You're not money laundering, like. You're not, a, you're not, you're not. Why it wasn't up to date enough. I wasn't going to get anything more in January than it was getting in December. Yeah. Yeah. No, there are no payments going in that would be given any no. alarms. No. <laughs> I wish. You wish. Of course. Yeah. 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 I, I could just have bought a washing machine then. Yeah. They could have just looked at your PPS number in the machine and. That's all. There you go. Do. You know, but I brought in, and then when I brought back the bank statement, I had to wait the five days because you have to wait for the bank to send it out to you. You can't print one off in the bank anymore like you used to be able to. Yeah. yeah. So when I went back in with it, I went to the community welfare officer in the Dole office and I gave it to her and said, oh, they've closed your application. I said, but you asked me to get this and I told you it was going to take five days. She said, oh, I'll get it reopened. I said, okay. That was the Wednesday. On the Friday, I got my bank statement back through the post with a note saying, readmit with your PPS number. I said, but I handed it to that girl. She brought up my file on screen they're like, okay, sorry about that. That's exasperating. It's as if oh, it's intentional. So. Listening to you now seems to me as if it's intentional. It's like they don't really want to give it to you, so they want to give you the runaround as much as they possibly can. You know, no, I still, I, then I, I rang, um, there's a number you ring, and she put me through to a man called Dave in the Newbridge office. He said, look, I'm really sorry about this. He said, will you bring the bank statement in? I said, and give it to me, which I did two weeks ago. And I've still heard nothing. So it's, it's altogether been about seven weeks since seven I applied for the washing weeks. machine. And what are you yeah. doing now to cope at home? Well, at the moment now, uh, just this week, or just last week, I borrowed the money and I bought a washing machine. To borrow it? No you're not paying huge I, interest on that. You got it from family or a friend? I yeah, no, I, I did. I got it from my friend. I just had no choice. You know, I just had no choice. I couldn't. It was washing everywhere. And they would have been you know, aware of that because you would have had conversations along those I lines. I told them. I, I told them. I actually had pictures on my phone of the piles of washing in all of the room. Do you know what I mean? Everyone had a room and it's all washing everywhere. How does it make you, you feel know, I, having to share photographs of your house like that? It's just disgusting. It's so humiliating. You know, it's very degrading having to, you feel like you're actually begging. You know, they, it, when they say about these exceptional needs payments, it's supposed to be, if you're in trouble, if you need help, we'll help you. I haven't looked for help since my youngest child made her communion, and she's now 19. Oh, for God's sake. Do you think that you know, they I've tightened up all... Else. Do you think that they tightened it all up and made it more difficult because there were certain sections of society taking advantage of it? There probably was, you know, and there well could be, but, like, they have to be able to see genuine cases... You must, feel very like, let, I, I, you must feel very let down and alone, though. It, it's, it's very, um, how can you put it? It's, do you know the way you see, like, you're going in there, you're basically spilling your guts to these people, strangers. Did you find you know, that humiliating? I find it very humiliating. Were there, others around thought, that could, were there others around that could have heard your conversation? Yeah, but it's a dole office. Do you mean there's always people sitting there? You know, and you're trying to explain your situation, and I'm sure they feel the same. They're explaining their situation. Do you know what I mean? And I can overhear what they're saying too. 
you know, it's just not nice. And I thought all I had to do was fill in that form. I gave all the details which I thought they wanted. And since then, it's been, no, you didn't do this. And no, you didn't do that. I mean, if they just looked at my PPS number, they could see my youngest but child. But you did everything you were asked to do. Day. You actually did everything. I've done everything they asked me to do. Okay. I even brought it back in and left it for Dave. And he sent it back to me and said, thanks, this will be added to your claim. But nothing. So I what will happen now? Else. Do you think that in a matter of weeks or something, you'll get a check or something or what? No, I don't think I'll hear from them unless I had to keep trying. And I'm not going to keep trying now. I'm not going back in there. I'm not asking again. I've borrowed the money. I will pay back the money when I can afford to my friends. Oh, I wish I wish that. you would keep the pressure on them, Marie. I know you're busy and worn out and everything. And you it's got not all... even that. It's, it's just humiliation of it. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. they keep saying, you know, they want this. Like, when I spoke to this man called Dave, he said to me, oh, I'm really sorry, but there's another letter coming in the post looking for something. I said, I'm not getting anything else. You know exactly what I get. You know what my outgoings are. You probably know what I have for breakfast at this stage. All of the man hours or people hours, whatever they're called now, within the yeah. civil service that's being wasted paying wages yeah. for this kind of nonsense. I just don't... It's rubbish. No, it, it is. just don't accept rubbish. that there's not a better way. And I, when I read about that, that old man, I was like, as bad it is for me, I'm 56. Do you know, he's, he's 79. an old man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, old man making him run around, do things like that. There's no need. Yeah, thank you for you that. You know, they only have to bring it up on the computer and they can see what they're getting. Thanks, Marie. Look after yourself and Kyle. Thank okay, you for that. Thanks. Take care. Thanks Text 0868 The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. You can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Some lovely news, though. This is lovely. Tara got in touch. She said, I just want to bring to your attention and say well done to a few people today. Driving by Duns and Ballyvalan, an elderly lady fell on the footpath, almost landing on the road, and was laying not moving, motionless. I was a good bit back in traffic, but could see it happening. Within seconds, a young man in a red top had pulled his car into oncoming traffic and ran to help the poor woman. He really was with her within seconds, taking no consideration for his own safety as he ran across two lanes of traffic. There was a lady from a different car right behind them. I don't know what happened in the end as we carried on our journey, but I just wanted to say well done to both of them. And it's good to know that there's still good, decent people in the world. I hope that lady was okay. Kind regards. Thank you for that, Tara. It's it's always good to hear the good stories. Every time I read out stories of that, there is one particular story that keeps coming back into my head. And it's from some years ago where an elderly man was, I can't remember the whole story now, but it stuck with me. You know, these stories do. Uh, and it was an elderly man and he was attempting to cross the road at the junction of Grand Parade and Washington Street. So he would have been going from Singer's Corner over to Finn's Corner. Um, and he fell off the footpath and ended up down on the road, half on the footpath, half on the road. And people were passing him uh, and cars were going around him. And uh, I don't know how long he was there before somebody eventually came to his help. I remember we were talking about it on the air. I think it might have been a family member was, was chatting with me. And the, the general consensus was that people thought he was drunk. And he wasn't. He, I think he might have been heading to Mass or heading over to the church or something. And there he lay. I thought it was awfully tragic and very sad. And talking of tragedy, it's always important to revisit stories. And thank you. I got a text from North Cork at the weekend saying, Good morning. I understand that this is off topic, but I was hoping you could read this out to the public at some stage just to let them know, because I believe the public were led to believe that the dogs in the North Cork puppy farm in Donnerale were all saved 
from the hell that they were living in, um, that the public believed that they'd been all saved. Uh, Upon recent inquiry, I've learned that only the worst affected dogs were seized because there is an appeal regarding the closure of the Cork puppy farm. There are hundreds of dogs living in crates and filth, forced to have puppy after puppy. If anyone else had a dog in those conditions in their backyard, they would be immediately seized. But the ISPCA, CSPCA doesn't want to deal with this volume of dogs. Um, Wouldn't these poor souls be better put to sleep humanely than to be living in these conditions? Please, Neil, read this out, as a lot of people following this case think that all the dogs were made safe. Locals are only hearing the news now, and we are appalled. I have contacted the Department of Agriculture for an update. They and the guards are the only bodies that can legally do something about it. Well, thank you for that. I have read it out. That comes as news to me. I'd quite forgotten about that story. I thought it had been resolved, but but clearly it's in pause mode pending an appeal. But you're telling me there are still many dogs there living in, let's just say, um, far from ideal, because I haven't seen, haven't been in there, but far from ideal um, living situations. You say crates and filth. I wonder if there are others up in the Donnerail area that can share some uh, light on that story. Do get in touch. Text 0868104106. I'm going to run rapidly out of time, not just today, but indeed on the topic of carers. But God knows, I could spell, I could fill days with regards to the work that's been done in the home by family members. Catherine amongst them. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Again, simple question. Are you a carer for a family member? I am. I am for my son, Joey, who's 32. He's 32. And yes. have you always, yes. since his birth, been a carer for Joey? Yes. Yes, I have. Mm. Joey has high-functioning autism and intellectual disability and a learning disability. Now, he's quite able and capable and things like that. But I suppose the story I wanted to say is the humiliation and, I will say, persecution from the HSE. Unfortunately, this month, five years ago, my husband passed out in his car and he was killed. And I immediately looked for support for Joey and nothing. I was told that this was one of the things I was told. I needed to realise that the main caregiver did not die and the HSC does not do grief. If the service provider can't give grief support, then you're without it. Now, I went to every TD uh, to the Minister for Disabilities at the time, James O'Reilly, went, had meetings with him, had everywhere you, like, I can't tell you the amount of um, emails, writing, telling my story, telling my story. And again, with the service provider, um, it had to be taken over by the HSC. Um, a private operator from Northern Ireland came in. It is now again taken over by another private operator from Northern Ireland. When you say and service provider, what do you mean? Like Cope, you know. Yeah. It's not Cope, but it's a private service provider. And would would Joey go um, on a number of days for a period of some hours, is it? You see, what he had was he had 30 hours a week. That was five days a week in day service. Yeah. And when the cuts started and when my husband died, Joey was distressed and didn't go that often. And um, then COVID came. And now they did try to cope and we did get a lovely um, 
psychologist, but the thing was that we should go to our GP. The GP said, I don't have anybody on my books. Or I couldn't recommend private anybody that works with people that has autism. So, was that for yeah. grief counselling following the death of yeah. Dennis, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He still hasn't got it. But we applied for um, an outreach support worker. Now, Were they very close, Dennis and Joey? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, everywhere. He gave up all his Special Olympics. He gave up everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were bosom buddies. And, so it'd be um, hard for Joey to process his dad being in his life and then one day gone. Yeah, it's the suddenness of it. Totally. He was inside with a Cork City match and I have to compliment Cork City the night that Dennis died that um, they took him in to, you know, um, one of the lads that went to school with my other son, he was a guard and he broke the news to him and um, they took him into the, the rooms there. They have kind of a... Uh, changing rooms and um, they told him there and um, the cock team came in and sympathised with him because he had been a fierce he is still he was there last night at the match as well your other son and, uh, you know and so he was um, told about his dad and um, how did that happen was he was he going to work he was driving home? home no he was driving home um, he, my uncle had died on a Monday and Dennis had gone down to his sister's house she had a house in Kenmare just overnight and he was driving back and unfortunately he blacked out and he crashed and um, he died he blacked uh, out behind the wheel in misfortune no? yeah yeah but yeah. did he have, did he, had he yeah. some underlying condition or something that led he to did, that? Yeah, he had Parkinson's for 10 years, yeah. So he had given up work and I had been caring for him for about four years before he died. And he'd been good, things had been... So you were caring yeah, for okay. Dennis with Parkinson's while caring with for Joy with autism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and helping out my mother and my uncle at the same time. <laughs> I had a busy few years. And, but again, um, I, I know I asked earlier on this morning, but uh, and maybe it's not even the right question to ask. Do you do you not feel bitter with the hand that you've all been dealt? Well, I tell you, like you have to get up and do it. There's nobody else will do it. And I suppose the journey that I personally have been on is that, like, we got into the Special Olympics, and you that that's an amazing an amazing opening for people with disabilities because you're meeting such wonderful, wonderful people. And like since then, I Joey won't go to any of them. He did go one year afterwards, like he used to do the golf, the soccer and the swimming and he's doing nothing now. And like, you know, it's like a domino effect. We had COVID and then everything was caught and everything has gone belly up. And so since, Last August to today, she had no service, but we got six hours of a home, not home support, an outreach program. Six hours a week was given to you recently. Six hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, for 15 years, he had three to four nights respite every month. And on the 1st of September last year, two hours before he was going to respite, it was cancelled due to an emergency situation from the HSE. The emergency situation is still ongoing and we've only got two letters in those six months and Joey has no respite, none whatsoever. And he's 
lost out on being with his friends. He's lost out with going out with people, with, you know, being in an environment that he loves. Totally, yeah. Downtime. And um, the letter, the last letter we got said that, unfortunately, he's not prioritised for respite. Do you believe this story about an emergency situation or do you yeah, think it was... Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. This is the latest thing, not the latest. It's a, a thing that I have experienced over the last number of years that people just, you know, you're... Now, I'm lucky, Joey, is next... No, but there, there was like yeah. a genuine emer- emergency situation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But what was like, the emergency situation that lost him his place? We were not officially told. See what I mean? You know, why not? So... Yeah, no. What is, uh, it, is it staffing? Is it, is it a uh, lack of... No, under data protection, somebody had to be removed from the home and given residential care. Full residential care. So that was no, his place gone then? So that was his place gone? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. No, and, he's and, not the only one. There were 25 and, more. Okay. That were also discommoded, yeah. And how do you feel then when you hear of a statistic of nearly... 700 million euro given to hotels and B&Bs um, so far with regards to the Ukrainian war? Well, like, I, you know, you don't have the energy to be getting worked up about that because I'm fighting so much to get Joey. Like, I mean, the minister has said, Anne Rabbit, that she has given something like 36,000 hours of respite. But that's Where all very they? well. Yeah, that's like throwing balls up in the air and juggling away. Um, yeah. the, the devil's in the detail yeah. and the devil is in those that aren't yeah. getting the help that that's they need. It. But yet, and I, and I don't yeah. mean to be laboring the point, how can they magic up 30 million euro a week? for hotels, bed and breakfasts and private providers yeah. of accommodation. That's right, yeah. Well, we were cut by a quarter of our funding to the services that he had. And now, at this moment, in this time, service providers like COPE, um, all of them, every single one of them, from CHO4, from CHO2, 3, all of them, they pay for 30 hours of a day service regardless of whether the person can access the service or not. They're paid. Their money is given. They've got their money. Mm. The nights of respite for Joey were paid last year and this year because that allocation went in under his name to the HSE. And the HSE now are after paying the service provider for that and they're paying a full residential for one person while we're getting nothing. And as a player, So this is, so the the respite is paid for but you can't avail of it. That's exactly okay. it. And the okay. day service is paid for but you can't access it. Okay. Okay. Shocking. And this and that is the thing. And like the service provider sent me an invoice in my name as a carer and I have no say because he's an adult for nine hundred euros owing to them for a service he couldn't access. Did you pay it? I did not. I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, why, why should you pay it when you didn't available and weren't given it? Yeah, yeah. There's one thing that's one life. thing that never falls through the cracks, you know, bills, sending out bills and yeah. invoices. Yeah. Let me get one quick call on the air here. Thank you, Catherine. Tom, good morning. Morning, Lee. Okay, you wanted to jump in on what topic, what part of the topic was it? Well, uh, this, this 
this gentleman that was looking for uh, for a new washing uh, washing machine or a replacement washing machine. Billy, yeah, there was a dryer, yeah. 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 The yeah. question, the question yeah. I was asking is, why do they make it so difficult? Uh, well, you see, it's uh, I, I think myself that it's to put people off because they don't need to make it so difficult. It can be done very simply. It's a very basic. It's a very basic. Is it thing. to deter but those that want everything for nothing? The entitled. It, it isn't. It isn't. You see, because they'll never tell those. But what it will do, it will deter someone always say, for instance, who worked their whole lives and now find themselves in circumstances that they can't afford certain items, and then they go along to the to apply for the likes of this thing. Right. But it, yeah, it, it must yeah. be some consolation to know that the scam artists, that they're making it harder for them as well. But you see, they're not making it harder for them because that's the point I'm trying to make. We would feel a sense of embarrassment when we go into these places because we, we think that the person next to us is listening to what we're saying. But they are listening. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're very well out. But these scam artists, you see, there's... The people who will feel embarrassment are the people who work their whole lives. The others would have no like, shame, like, yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, but those that never worked a day in their life couldn't care less who hears what they're saying and couldn't care how many forms they have to fill in because they have nothing else to do anyway. Mm. Only, only, only rape the services. Mm. That's all they do. All right, okay. Yeah. okay. And, and they do quite well out of it as well. Yeah, but uh, we want to live a life like that. You know, it's just, well, it's a very unfulfilled life. Unfortunately, I do. No, unfortunately, I do. But, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want it, would you? An unfulfilled life well, on I the bomb. I wouldn't want I certainly wouldn't want it. That's why I would feel a sense of embarrassment if I went to these places. That's why you would feel a sense of embarrassment if you were in the circumstances where you had to go into these places. But these don't, because... It's a way of life for them. I hear you. I hear you. Thanks, Tom. Uh, we're going to move on to different topics as we head across the week, but I wanted to give, and indeed, if there are other stories they wish to share, don't let that deter you. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. With regards to the fire services from earlier on being charged for call-outs that you were calling in, even though it was nothing to do with you, just as in the, just doing your your community duty. Uh, to clarify, Neil, there are no charges levered, levied by Cork City Fire Brigade they are the only fire authority in the country that do not charge. Thank God for that. Um, but what about the county fire service, though? They clearly are charging people, sending out invoices. Might be happening in the city, but I'm glad to hear they're all the same. If you call the Gardaí, you do not get billed if they call the fire service out. If you call them, you get billed. But if you call the Gardaí, uh, you don't get billed if they call it out. Okay. I work in the emergency services. There is no charge for ambulance, Gardaí, Coast Guard and other voluntary rescue services. The fire service is the only service that charges. And again, thank you for that. And we have clarity there saying that the city fire service doesn't charge. If I smell gas and report it to board, gosh, will I be charged? It's mad, says Pat in Blackrock. Simple answer is that is no. It's very true what you were saying about gorse fires. The amount of animals, birds in particular, that are killed and displaced along with the insects that birds depend on. It's like a domino effect of disaster. 
all of our making. Yes, it will be discussed on programmes like yours, but nothing is ever done regarding gorse fires. I know there are buzzards nesting at the moment, such magnificent creatures that no one sees. People are too busy looking down at their phones to realise the beauty soaring above them. We would be foolish to think this will have no consequences and shame on us all. You'd often see it at this time of the year, actually, particularly if you live in rural Ireland or you drink, drive country roads and you look off way off in the distance, up in the hills, you will see smoke. That is the burning of gorse. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.